Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chainsaws and Claws, a killer monster podcast. I'm Rob the Cinema Drunkie. I'm Patrick Vicious. And here we are in the Cursed episode. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure if you were going to bring that up. (laughs) Oh, I was bringing that shit up. (laughs) Uh, So... This is a, a, a double we've been wanting to do for a while for, for numerous reasons that got pushed back. And then um, we were going to do it, I would say, last week or yeah. two weeks ago. And just that. Well, my, my, did... my favorite thing is that you were like, it's like, I forgot it was Saturday. I was like, you're off on Saturdays. If you wake up and you're not working, I feel like that's like, you just ask yourself, is it Saturday? And the answer is probably yes. Because, you, know, uh, uh, you know, as you likely understand, I'm a working individual and just my days are just blurred together. So I wake up and I'm like, what day is it? Uh, it's I hate myself day. Yeah. Like Kyle Reese. <laughs> what year? <laughs> <laughs> I feel myself uh, getting closer to Joe Hallenbeck every damn day. Which was... Um, Shout out to the cinemasochist uh, uh, Peter Gagic. I, I believe that's how you pronounce his name correctly. Everyone just calls him Pete. Um, but um, he, like, we did that Twitter prompt where, like, uh, you know, describe me as a, as a movie character. And right off the bat, he was the first one to answer. And he answered Joe Hollaback. He was like, I feel like this is appropriate. And I was like, wow. Just, just read, read the fuck out of me. He was like, yeah, I, I, I feel like I know people. I was like, yeah, you definitely know me. Because that's my motherfucking muse right there. It's Joe Hallenbeck. <laughs> but yeah, um, we uh, pushed this back, uh, this, this episode back numerous times. And then uh, it didn't happen last week at the time of this recording. And then we attempted to record it yesterday. And that didn't fucking happen. <laughs> no. Uh, we we had massive technical difficulties. Yeah, so we we tried at least two to three times, like to actually do it, and literally like every time, it was like basically there was like a lot of like restarting and not doing anything. So like finally, it just got to the point where it was just like, yeah, we'll just try to do this tomorrow. Yeah, like is it, let's postpone it because I'm about to punch a fucking hole through my monitor because this shit is pissing me the fuck off. I was just, yeah, it, it's not happening. And it's like, but everything seems to be working. Let's hope, hope, hope. Everything seems to be working. And now you probably... I'm I, just, I, just, I just fucking jinxed us. <laughs> I'm lightly tapping on my table. <laughs> I don't want to ruin the audio, but it's only like, who wouldn't the guy have? So I'm just lightly tapping on it. Yeah, knocking on wood here. But um, yes, um, we are discussing, of course, uh, it's, you know, I don't know why we ever kept uh, a secret until yeah. like we revealed it on the episode because you're gonna see what the fucking uh, the the movies are. So we are discussing Candyman and Blackula. Yes. Uh, obviously, first is Candyman, which I consider uh, one of not only the great horror films of the '90s, one of the greatest horror films ever made, and one of the most important horror films ever made. Well, particularly in the slasher genre. Um. Why I think so, think of it as such is because uh, we've discussed this numerous times on the show, and uh, during the '90s, the, the the slasher genre was all but dead. 
Um, I mean, there were there were moments of uh, inspiration, but uh, it was all but dead until uh, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson's great masterpiece of horror, Scream, came out in '96 and revitalized it once again. Uh, because for you a just while. <laughs> yeah, for a while. I mean, like we we said this to each other before. The the slasher genre goes dormant. Yes. But it never truly dies. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Which is why the show exists because yes. you know the, the you know slasher genre just rules. Um, and like even even in the, in the years where it goes dormant, I still watch the fucking slasher movies. They still excite me. Yes. Um, but yeah, in in the time that Candyman came out, uh, it was it was it was it was dying until uh, I would say it was like dead. I can't remember anything else that like came out around the same time, like Doctor Giggles. I guess. Yeah, like shit, shit just wasn't popping off anymore. And then, like, when Curse of Michael Myers came out, I was like, "Oh, this is dead in the water. This is just there's no coming back from that." And then Wes Craven proved us wrong by releasing Scream in '96, and it was like, "Ah, oh, it's alive again. It's alive," you know. But like I said, there were moments of inspiration. Uh, within the 90s, of course, uh, we already mentioned Scream. Uh, I would also like to give credit to Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Um, even though that film bombed horribly at the box office, unfortunately, um, it is still uh, one of the most important uh, films in the slasher genre. And as well as this. Now, with uh, two things, though, in comparison to um, the the other the aforementioned two. I mean, obviously those two are connected because of Wes Craven, you know, uh, New Nightmare and Scream, and obviously because of their their meta aspects, you know, Scream like you know playing with the the, the slasher genre and like you know, uh, New Nightmare playing with reality and fiction. You know, this one is more straightforward. However, like what what I appreciate about it is like just play, playing with the 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 whole thing of like storytelling in general and urban legends and all that stuff, which I found really just well, like not at first, uh, I should say, because uh, I remember watching the like the original Candyman, you know, when it first came out, and I thought it was great. Um, uh, we we were mentioning this before, but. Uh, I'm also a maniac because then two uh, three years later, Candyman Farewell to the Flesh came out, um, directed by Bill Cunnan. Um, Still didn't say I didn't even know that until we did the drive until we did the, the the recording that fell apart yesterday. You had told me this; it was the first time that I was ever aware of it. The director of Gods and Monsters and Chicago directed Candyman Two. I had no fucking clue. I had no idea whatsoever. Yeah. And like, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think he he got the job for Gods and Monsters because of his work on because like it, it's a very well made movie. It just sucks in comparison to Candyman. However, as a kid, I did not think so. As a kid, I thought Farewell to the Flesh was the superior movie to Candyman, which shows how much of a fucking idiot I was as a kid. I mean, to be fair, I had a similar thing where, like, I thought Critters 2 was better than the original Critters, and I watch them now, and I'm like, no, that's not correct. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, like, like I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is much better. It's like, it's, like, really, you know, gory. I mean, 
this this film is gory, but like not in the sense like yeah. it's it's looking like shock people with its gore. gore. Yeah. It's more it's of an yeah, yeah, like it's more of an aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, which 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 makes it much more uh, visually appealing. Um, with uh, Farewell to the Flesh, it was just like the 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 Freddy Kruegerization of Candyman, because like here's the thing. Like I said, I, I I like Farewell to the Flesh better. Uh, Candyman 3, Day of the Dead, he's not mentioned here, because that movie's a giant piece of shit. Even, <laughs> even, even Tony Todd has said so. Um, but uh, I rewatched both uh, in my early 20s, you know. And you know, like as you get older, your 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 film taste change. You know what I'm saying? Like you you evolve as a film fan. As you, you know, you start paying attention to movies and like shit done and all that stuff. So I rewatched both, and I rewatched Candyman, and it was just like it's such a fucking glorious piece of storytelling. And I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I think it was. Uh, kind of um, meant to be that we recorded this on this day because I was looking through my Facebook memories <clears throat> and um, I realized on this day in where was it um, on this day in 2010 years ago as a matter of fact well I posted a quote from Candyman which is like you know is one of the reasons why I find this movie as beautiful as it is and important as it is. And the quote is, why do you want to live? If you would learn just a little from me, you would not beg to live. I am rumor. It is a blessed condition. Believe me to be whisked about as street corners to live in other people's dreams, but not to have to be. Do you understand? And that's one of the reasons why I find this movie so important because it's like, the character of Candyman, or uh, Daniel Robitaille, mm-hmm. um, who is the real-life uh, uh, version of Candyman. Like, like, they stated he was a real person in the film, who was uh, a former slave, who was an exceptional artist, who was tasked with painting the portrait of a white woman that he then fell in love with. Uh, they, they, they had a romance. And uh, her father found out and uh, chased and tortured him and like, you know, him and a a lynch mob uh, murdered him in just incredibly beautiful, uh, brutal, brutal way, you know, just absolutely awful. And from there, like the urban legend became that uh, he became the Candyman. You know, someone like you, you say his name five times in a memory, he comes back and he, he kills you. Now, what is beautiful about the movie and about the story is that there is there's no real implication that this is the actual spirit of Daniel Robitaille come back, you know, because like urban legends are like are, are a crazy thing, you know, like they, they get started anywhere. Like I've I in my old neighborhood, I had, I had the urban legend of Jimmy the Bum. Um, he was a homeless man who would walk around, uh, he was a hobo, walk around the neighborhood with a shopping cart. And, uh, there was a story about how, uh, he was a school teacher, um, who was, uh, 
if I remember the story correctly, he was a school teacher who was either very nice or very mean to the students. And one day they wanted to play a prank on him. And uh, it's kind of like Cropsy. I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say, this is the burning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where uh, kids, like, I, I, I forgot what, how, exactly what it was, but the, they accidentally set fire to his house, killing his wife and his young son. And he just decided to become uh, a hobo after that. Like, I, I don't know, like, he didn't go on no murderous rampage, but he decided to just be a hobo. However, you, you, you if you went up to him and say, hey, Jimmy, he turned around like, my name's not fucking Jimmy. Like, he'd say like that, like, just like, and he'd look at you like he wanted to fucking murder you. Like, like, apparently, I think his name, his real name was like fucking John and shit, but it's like where Jimmy the Bum came from, I don't know. But it's just like, it's, it's like, it's, it's like Candyman. It's like, it's the story that they use the real guy to, to craft this like urban myth legend. Like, like, I don't even know if that fucking story was true or not. And shit, that was just what I heard about uh, Jimmy the Bum. And it's like, what, what's, what's amazing about the movie is that it, it, it plays on like, not just storytelling, but like the fear of individuals where a urban legend becomes larger than life to the point where this community's fear of this story is so great that they willed him into existence. And like, you know, that's like uh, encapsulated right there in that quote, where it's like, he understands he doesn't, he's something that doesn't exist. He's not a specter or a vengeful spirit. He's just, he just is because these people are terrified of this, this, this story, this myth. And he's, they, they, they fear him so greatly. It's just that, you know, he's just a thing now, you know what I'm saying? And I think that's just like, it's just like, to, to like, when, when they, like, when slash movies made, like, we had like great ones already, you know, we had, you know, and we've talked about them already on this show. You know, we talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We talked about Halloween. We talked about Nightmare on Elm Street. And I truly believe that Candyman belongs in the, in, in the ranks of the Pythagorean of those movies. Simply for that. Like, it's besides the fact that it's just an exceptional fucking movie. Like, Bernard Rose just made an incredible fucking movie. But, like, just, like, for the story basis as is, you know what I'm saying, the way he took it. Because, like, Clive Barker's story was completely... I mean, it was, like, similar, but Bernard Rose made changes to it. Like, in the original story, The Forbidden, uh, Candyman was a white man, and it was set in fucking London and all that stuff, and Bernard Rose was like, no, we're gonna set it in Chicago and Cabrini Green Projects, and we're gonna make him a black man. And you know what I'm saying, and the, and the former slave who was who was who was terrorized and 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 lynched and did wrong, and like you know, and just coming up with all this stuff, and it was just it's just an exceptional thing, you know what I'm saying? It's like they they, they weren't fucking like even with slasher movies where they, they they still weren't making them like this. They were like you you had your slashers, but and then you had your diamonds in the rough, like I mentioned, like fucking Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street, and I, I truly believe that Candyman. Is one of those. That's why I think it's so important to the genre and should be respected. So it's like it goes far beyond it, where it's just like you know, it goes far beyond the slasher movie conventions, and it's just a masterpiece of horror. Period. You know. I mean, as I said, like which I, mean, I was saying to you during the like original attempt at this was that like um, I have had like I have like a different thing to it than you. Like I 
first saw it, like when I was like, when, when it first came out, so I was probably like nine or 10, depending on when the VHS came out. But like, um, because I was a latchkey kid and I would just like go home and I would hang out at video stores and then my way home. Um, one of the guys at one of the local video stores like had it on one day. And like I sat to watch it with him uh, for a while. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, this is awesome. And I didn't see it again for years, like for years and years and years. It wasn't until like a handful of years ago that I was just like, oh, like I'm going to watch Candy Man. Like I haven't seen that in a long time. And I watched it again. I was like, this isn't really, this isn't really as cool as I remember. Like this is really, I'm kind of bored. Like I was just like, this is not nearly as like rad as I thought it was. Because I remember it being horrifying and watching it as an adult. It was, wasn't doing it. And then it wasn't until like um, around the time that um, the Nita Costa uh, Jordan Peele one um, was coming out that I was like, well, like I should rewatch it for this. So like um, the day that I was going to um, the 2021 movie, which still annoys the shit to me because like the 29th anniversary, you motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so annoying. Um, but like the day of that, I watched it um, before we went to the drive-in um, to see it. And I was just like, okay, no, I, I do like this. Like, I, I definitely, it's not like scary to me, but like the ideas, like as you were talking about, like the ideas are interesting. So it's like, if I don't have like that, like stumbling block in my brain of like, remember it being the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life, I can just kind like, of appreciate it as its own thing. And like the, it's an interesting movie, like regardless. I mean, like, it's not like my favorite like Barker annotation or anything, but like it's definitely as far as like probably his stuff that's like been adapted, it's probably my second favorite outside of Hellraiser. But like a, it's a very distant second. Like his Hellraiser, I think, is like a masterpiece, a positive oh, yeah. masterpiece. And like Candyman, I'm like, this is a solid film. Like, like there's a like, there's a very there's a wide chasm in between them, but this is still like my second favorite. Um but like yeah, because like, the things like I do think are interesting, and it's actually funny because like, the things that like um, that I do think are interesting about it were the things that Jordan Peele and Nate Acosta picked up on and did in that movie. Because um, like the thing that you're talking about, the, that's most interesting about it to me is um, the idea of like whether or not he ever actually was real. Like it's like for all you know, like they don't even like it's like they tell you the story, but yeah. like there's no actual like it's not like they're like presenting you with like a like like a history book that's telling yeah, you like, yeah. it's just anecdotal so it's like for i mean for all you know as an audience member it can be completely made up and he was literally just willed into existence on that level exactly um right. but like which i think is a fascinating idea in and of itself where it's like a guy who hypothetically literally didn't exist that like enough people chose to believe that he existed that eventually he did like that's yeah. a fascinating idea i think um, and a brilliant idea for a slasher. But also, I do think, um, just in terms of, like, the aesthetic, although I do think it's funny, is, like, um, there's a whole thing, I remember, like, I was, like, reading about this movie, like, around the time, like, um, the Nita Costa, Jordan Peele one was coming out, um, where, like, um, there's, like, the whole making of it, where I guess, like, Bernard Rose had to, like, go to, like, kind of, like, NAACP-type, like, meetings, whatever, like, whatever, and I guess everybody was, like, why are you here? Like, it is just, it's just a, like, slash movie. Like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. And, like, um, but, like, and that, that's fine. But, like, I, I kept seeing things with Virginia Madsen being, like, Spike Lee probably will like this film. And I was like, 
that's vaguely racist. Like, I was like, why are you just picking the most famous black man in the world to be like, he won't like this movie? Like, I don't necessarily, I don't know what his feelings are anyway, but since he works, he has worked very closely with Jordan Peele, I wouldn't assume that he dislikes Candyman. But like, okay, Virginia Madsen, just make assumptions about a famous black man, I guess. Um, but, um, because you're a famous white woman, uh, that's that's the thing that okay, I guess you can do. Um, but um, <laughs> but like, the, the, so it's like on that level, it's funny that like it ended up kind of um, blossoming into like a franchise, and then not even blossoming like past a franchise and becoming like so iconic. But it does kind of make sense when you like think about it because like everything about the movie. It's like the things that you said. It's like it, it kind of because it's about myth, it like kind of helps take on this kind of mythic quality where it yeah. doesn't feel like a slasher movie in the most strict sense. Like, yeah, because like as we've talked about like a billion times in the show, like slashers generally have very specific like structure and they have like a like, they generally have like a similar feeling, and this doesn't. Like, it's, it's very much its own thing. It's like its own animal. Um, which I think makes is what makes it interesting, but also the thing that I think makes it iconic is a the fact that like well, let's be honest, there's not a lot of like people of color in the slasher space, <laughs> like so it's like that right there is kind of uh, that singles it out in a special level, but also um, just the actual aesthetic of Candyman of like him with like the like the, the ripped off hand with the yeah stuck in it and like all the bees and like the, the coat and like the whole thing of like Tony Todd saying that he approached it as basically being his fan of the opera. Yeah. Like all of that stuff kind of, I think helped like build it into something that on like paper could have just been one of the movies that like the horror movies that came out, like just kind of came and went during the nineties, but like it kind of, became iconic because it kind of was almost fully realized as on iconic even before it even like actually existed like it's like so i think like i do think um that bernard rose definitely deserves a lot of credit for what he did because like even though i don't think it's like the scariest movie in the world i do think that like the whole vibe of it is fascinating because it's like i said it's like it's, it's, it is a horror movie like it is through and through a horror movie but it's also very much like this weird like gothic romance mm -hmm. um so it's like it's just this it's all of this weird shit that like doesn't fit together but somehow they managed to like make it it's like it's literally like you fucking tore off a hand and like shoved a fucking hook into it it's like you were making like this gothic romance that then you just like fucking tore the head out of it and fucking stuck in a hook of a slasher movie, and that's what you get. And I think that that is actually really interesting. I think like the the actual product they ended up with is fascinating. Yeah, no, no, one hundred percent agree. And um, you the I just wanted to add to like when when you said that the how Hellraiser is number one, and this was is a very distant number two as far as. Clyde Barker adaptations and it's like <clears throat> I think we could all agree that uh, when it comes to adapting Barker no one adapts him better than Barker himself well yes that's definitely <laughs> true yes. 
<laughs> I remember I, I I posted it on, on Twitter. It's like uh, that that man's um, like fucking like resume is just sublime when it comes to like he did Hellraiser, Nightbreed, Lord of Illusions, and then that was it. See, actually, I guess even saying that, like, I was just like Nightbreed because like, I never really I was kind of just thinking I was like in like the slasher kind of space. But I was like, if we're talking about all of his work, I feel like Nightbreed is a like close second to Hellraiser, and then Candyman would be like a semi-distant third, just because like Nightbreed, it's his own weird thing though, where it's like it doesn't feel like like I know he had said like his whole thing was it was like basically his horror Star Wars, and that's why I kind of feel like it's like it it it's a weird outlier, yeah, because like it doesn't it 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 definitely is a horror movie, but it's also very much like its own thing like it's like it's very hard to pin down exactly what it is like it's a monster movie obviously yeah but like it's not like it doesn't have i guess like the, the monsters aren't scary the monsters are the heroes yeah so yeah. it's like it's just this weird fucking thing that exists that yeah no i think that like that and hellraiser are like the two best of his adaptations but again like um but like of, of other people adapting his shit i think probably the best person because to, 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 to like be totally fair, probably the best person that would adapt his shit was Bernard Rose with this. Like yeah. the person that wasn't him, like the only one that kind of understood. Because even like um, I've read a decent amount of Barker, and like the thing that I think that Bernard Rose does really well is he actually nails down something that's like um, only really doesn't. Really, I don't know. It doesn't really get. It is most of his adaptations, even his uh, adaptations, where it's like his stuff is very like flowery, like it's very like it's it's almost like poetic his writing, yeah. Um, and even his like really good stuff, like it's like like Nightbreed, I think is a, is a masterpiece, yeah. But like it's not really like it doesn't feel the same as like what he would normally like what his writing feels like whereas this feels like his writing brought to life like Candyman yeah. feels like his writing brought to life yeah it's like i just i just had a, a, a an idea like it just hit me where it's like cuz talking about nightbreed like nightbreed is such a we're we're definitely doing nightbreed mm. people let's 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 just let, yeah night nightbreed is coming yes. you know what i'm saying um but it's like, I, like it just hit me that Nightbreed is to Clive Barker what Southland Tales is to Richard Kelly. Yeah, kind of. Like, like they almost have the same career trajectory. Like, you know, they, they they've got three movies. I mean, Richard Kelly still got in him to make movies. He just doesn't do it. You know and I'm saying because you know he got. I mean, a, I don't know. A, if a, he, I mean, I don't. Think, I don't know if he really like gets to because like I was actually just talking about this um, on Schlock and Awe when I was recording, where it's like, Richard Kelly had a weird thing where it's like, he made Donnie Darko, which came out and didn't make any money, but just like, it just kept snowballing on DVD to the extent where it became a huge movie. Yeah. So then Southland Hills, they were, I feel like every executive was like, I don't understand the script at all, but I don't understand any Donnie Darko. That made a kajillion dollars for us. So here you go, buddy, take all the money you need. And then it came out and it got just, it just cratered. And then they were like, well, you get one more, and if you fuck this up, you're never directing again. And then it's like, so he did The Box, which was like his most like normal movie, and that also didn't do well. And they were like, okay, bye, Richard Kelly, never see you again. <laughs> like, so it's like... Like, like yeah, and, and, and that sucks, because... 
And and it was also like similar to Nightbreed, where it was a film that it was butchered, uh, like prior to release. Where like, well, that's because he previewed it for the audience of Cannes, and uh, it, it got like what the lowest scores ever. And so Cannes like, is also he, fucking weird as shit. Where it's yeah. like things that are like that come like out, and like nobody seems to enjoy. Like you still hear they got like a fucking ten minute standing ovation, so it's like 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 okay. To be completely fair here, I have not seen any of the Idol, so I have no idea of its quality. Um, I do generally like I like like Sam Levinson's like Euphoria, so I don't know how I would feel about the Idol if I watched it. I did not watch it, but everybody I know that watched it hated it, and that still got a fucking like ten minute standing ovation again. So. Yeah, 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 most definitely. Like, 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 and here's here's the thing. Like, uh, we're we're gonna get back to Candyman in a second, folks. Uh, we just gotta get it far back to Richard Kelly. <laughs> like, you know, uh, it was a weird thing because that, like, I, I feel like when Arrow released, uh, you know, their their collector's edition yeah. of Southland Tales, that was like at the beginning of our friendship, mm-hmm. like. Like, we were already cool, but, like, we started becoming, like, great friends. And, uh, because I had, uh, bought that set. And, um... You got it early. It pissed me off to no end. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I remember you were mad about that. I really was. Like, you were mad at me about two things. That and Drive. Yes. Like, like, you was like, how did Rob get Drive so early and before me? And I'm like, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um I remember that uh I believe I, I wrote something for uh our, our friend Matt uh Asari. Yeah. Where I wrote or like or I don't know if I had written it yet, but I think you had, you know, like oh, because you had written something about Donnie Darko. <laughs> uh like no, what I remember correctly is like because I wrote that and you wrote Donnie Darko, and you were trying to convince Matt to write about the box? Yes, I was. Like, yes. the, the, complete, the, the complete the trifecta of Richard Kelly stuff, and it just didn't happen that way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's like, uh, it, it's, it's, it's that same thing with, like, Nightbreed, where it's just like, uh, I saw the director's cut, and I would never return to the theatrical cut ever again. See, that's the thing. I don't even remember the theatrical cut, so I, I do want to watch it. Like, it's coming out by the time of recording, I think it's tomorrow. As of right now, it's like two days from now. Um, they're releasing like the 4K from Screen Factory is going to be the original cut, and I do want to see that again because I'm curious because I, I don't remember at this point. Like I've only watched the director's cut for so long that like I'm genuinely curious. Like cause I remember when it first came out, I did really like Nightbreed, which is why when like I heard about the extra footage, I was like, oh, rock on! Like I really want to see that, and I thought I was never going to, and then they made that director's cut for the Screen Factory, and I actually almost got the special edition where they had the uh, special cut included, but yeah. I didn't, it was super limited, and I didn't get a copy. Um, so that's why, like, this, I was, like, I was not, I was, like, oh, cool. Like, everyone was just, like, what the fuck? Why isn't there the, like, the director's cut in 4K? And I was just, like, well, I mean, they did take it with the shittiest possible elements, so I don't think it actually upgraded those that much. Um, yeah. But I was, like, I would like to see that again, because like, I, I don't, I remember liking it a lot. I have no idea if I would still like it now that I've been spoiled by seeing the director's cut for so long, but. Yeah. 
Like, um, I think I have that version, the, the version that's just the, the the director's cut. But I'm fine because I still have that old fucking snap case of, of the, the theatrical cut. And it's just like, eh, it's, it's fine. It all evens out. Like, I, you know, it, it is what it is. But, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, enough about Nightbreed. And, I mean, it's it's on par because it's Barker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Okay, but, if we're being fair and I was going on tangents, our Psycho episode, I think like 10 minutes of it was actually talking about Psycho, and then there was so much other shit. So, like, let's not all of a sudden be like, <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, listeners, we're sorry that we're going on a tangent. This has never happened to us before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I have become known as the, the king of tangents. Me... Uh, me and uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Wilkins, great friend Lindsay Wilkins, are the king and queen of tangents. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it, it, we 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 just wouldn't be us if we didn't go on tangents. However, I, I think uh, we need to return to Candyman, particularly um, the the main man of the whole piece, and that is Tony fucking Todd. Uh, as, as you stated, you know, there, there, there are not many black characters in slasher films. And if they do like, there's that the whole thing of, oh, they, they, they're the first to die. And which is not entirely true. Uh, they, they, you know, I'm saying that there are black characters that last way longer than, you know, the, the first person to die. However, they, uh, I have noticed they're usually the worst to die. Um, I'm I'm looking at you, Friday the Thirteenth Part I Seven. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> he squished that man's head. You prunish, like as as. I mean, as... if we're being fair, <laughs> you can really go with like every black person in Friday the Thirteenth. Like, um, the poor bastard in Jason Takes Manhattan gets his head punched off. Um, the poor bastard in the Friday the Thirteenth remake who gets used as fucking bait. <laughs> he gets kept alive and used as bait. Like, yeah. for like, well, so it's like, nothing necessarily good happens to a black man in the Friday 13th franchise. That is true. That is true. I mean, but, New Blood is my go-to, because uh, that man gets his head pruned. As uh, uh, the late, great uh, John Carr Beekler would have said, uh, it, that, that was his favorite effect, and, and it, it got cut out completely. Uh, in uh, the theatrical cut, which is damn shame. Fuck you, MPA. <laughs> um, but uh, this was the first case in where we 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 not only have a, a black man in in a horror film, but he is our main villain per se. I mean, you could choose however you want to look at it. If Candyman is, I mean, most people will look at him as the villain, but you know, he has such a tragic backstory where it's like you're almost sympathetic to him where it's just like well like, yeah oh, like, oh, I, to compare him to like freddy it's like freddy is not sympathetic despite having yeah. like him being also like essentially lynched but like yeah. freddy was horrible so him getting lynched you're like it's fine you don't have any sympathy for freddy yeah. Uh, yeah. But like Candyman, it's like you're, he's a sympathetic monster. Like it's like he definitely is the villain. Like he's definitely like he's murdering motherfuckers in really brutal fucking ways with a hook. But right. like he still is. Yes, he's sympathetic. Yeah, it's like you know, like yeah, he's killing people. But it's like 
like you look at his backstory and it's like, yeah, kill, kill him, kill, kill, kill all, especially all those white motherfuckers, kill him, kill them all. You know, uh, I'm like, sorry. <laughs> wait, 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 no. Patrick understands. Why the yes. fuck am I apologizing? No, no, yeah, no, I, I hate white people. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds it reminds me of my uh when I went to see Get Out in theaters and shit. I I was doing a little drinking in the theater, and uh in in the the, the third act and shit when uh a man uh Danny Kaluuya was getting his uh getting his revenge. Um, I was I was in there hyped and shit. I was like. Yeah, kill him. Kill him all those white motherfuckers. Oh, and I realized I was in is a theater in gentrified Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? And I was like the only minority in there. So it's like, yes, let, let me let me let me shut up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I get Karen's accusing me of racism <laughs> <laughs> as we're watching a movie that features ab- <laughs> abstract racism. <laughs> I'm gonna be fair. When I was um, in Barbie like last week. <laughs> Um, there was like the whole point, uh, because I was in the, it, the, the theater was primarily, um, women. Um, and like, there was one point I'm just like, when I, when I, when they were basically, I could tell what they were leading up to. And I was like, ah, sorry about the patriarchy guys. <laughs> like, like... <laughs> <laughs> but, um, going back to Tony Todd, um, uh, Tony Todd like has become one of those. I mean, primarily because of this role, has become one of those iconic figures in horror. You know, like he's basically an icon. Like you know, he's up like up there with Freddy and, and Jason and Michael. Like where where well, to the I point? Would say he's actually more so because like it's like he has a similar thing to Freddy, where it's like yeah, because he's the only guy who played that role until recently. Um, I mean, with I mean. He has like, a cameo, but yes. yeah, yeah. But like, um, but no, but because like he is so like linked to it, um, he I would say is in a lot of ways, actor wise, is more iconic because like, yes, like you have guys like C.J. Graham who show up at conventions, yeah, but like they they're a Jason, like um, whereas like Tony Todd is Candyman, yeah. like to basically a to a massive degree. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, even though you know, what I'm saying, uh, I don't want to say too much because we're definitely covering Candyman 2021. I, I definitely want to cover that movie. Yes, Parti- I love that. <laughs> particularly, like, me and Patrick particularly love the last five minutes. Yes. A cab. A cab, Candyman. A cab. But um, it, it's not like a situation where. Uh, like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, where like you know there's someone else playing, you know Freddy through and through, whereas like even though like it's, it carries the same name, it's just Candyman, you know, it, it it still like you know works in a way where it's just like Tony Todd still is Candyman. It's just you know the whole uh, story, which which I love. I, even though I will say, you know. Before you know, we we eventually talk about Candyman twenty twenty one. That I, I feel like uh, Nia DaCosta and Jordan Peele. Um, well, it's, uh, it's Nia DaCosta's movie. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Let's just let's put that fucking out there. That's why I always say Nia DaCosta and Jordan Peele because I was just like Jordan Peele had a huge hand in it. Like he wrote it, he produced it, but like Nia DaCosta directed it, so it's still Nia DaCosta's movie. 
No, no, but, but like uh, the, the, also so something to point out that because it was like everybody was saying that like oh Jordan Peele wrote it so it, it's still his movie and it's like no he he wrote a draft and then Nia DaCosta came on and she rewrote that draft you know what I'm saying so essentially it's her movie through and through you know what I'm saying however I feel like you know what I'm saying like him and and her they do make a mistake i mean i don't i don't like to say they made a mistake because it is their film and obviously they intended it to be that way but like they, they do something that i i feel like uh, like a mistake that the sequels made like farewell to the flesh um however they work it to where it works for that particular movie and i will hold off on that thought until we talk about that you know, but Tony Todd—it's—it's it's, with Tony Todd as Candyman. It's just you had never seen a slash movie villain like him before. Like I guess you could say, like Phantom of the Opera. You know, like you know that that kind of pure romantic villain. I mean, like they're also like stages of Dracula. You know, what I'm saying like you know. The, the, the people that wanted to turn Dracula into like this, you know, great romantic character like uh, Bram Stoker. <laughs> yeah, and fuck all that. I, yes. I was I also say, uh, uh, suck it, Max, suck it deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, 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 look, like I, I know, um, like you had that thing going on and shit, and 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 and, and Max was all like, oh, like yeah, I'm gonna come on there, and it's like. Buddy, that's not happening. <laughs> like, like I, we would love to have you on the show, but like, it, it, it ain't gonna happen with fucking Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm sorry, we're never covering that fucking movie. It sucks. <laughs> yes. All we're gonna do is complain. But like, like, and the two of us are gonna like, out, like, I was just like, I was like, okay, fine, handicap match, motherfucker. Like, it's just gonna be like when you like you book some poor hapless like Rey Mysterio motherfucker against like the Big Show and the Undertaker. Like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> Yeah, or, or like it's gonna be him trying to convince us that the movie doesn't suck, and we're just like, no, it sucks for two hours. <laughs> I'm not saying, as I said, I don't believe in good or bad. I just don't like that movie at all. Like, yeah, I just think, yeah. I just, I think it's visually cool, and I think um, Gary Oldman is always good, um, but everything else is just cool. like. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Since we're never covering Bram Stoker's Dracula, I'm gonna sneak this in. I, 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 I like it from a filmmaking standpoint. Yes. I no, like no, yeah, the, technical, on a technical level, yes. Yeah. I, I love the fact that Coppola and company decided to use old filmmaking techniques. Yes. That's the stuff that about the movie that entices me, where it's just like they're using old school techniques, like, you know, just shying away from digital effects because it should, could have been easy to do that, but they're like, no, we're going to do it the old-fashioned way to make this movie. And I appreciate that. But it was all for naught because that movie sucks in the long run. <laughs> Gary Oldman is great, uh, but everything else sucks. Like, you know, uh, Keanu sucks. Yeah, I, I, no I, I think I've told you before. I was just like, I didn't realize when I was a kid because I loved Keanu when I was a kid. Um, and the, I was always like, why do you call him a bad actor? And then I saw Brad Stoker's Dracula, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the same thing when Winona Ryder. Like, I love Winona Ryder. Uh, uh, you know, God bless her. But, 
she fucking sucks in that movie. Here, here's the thing. When, when, like, you know your movie sucks when you have one of the greatest actors who ever lived in Anthony Hopkins, and he sucks in the movie. <laughs> like, he is, like, I, I remember posting that he's the worst fucking Van Helsing, and everybody's like, oh, you never seen Van Helsing with uh, fucking uh, Hugh Jackman. Exactly. I was like, I have. And I still think Anthony Hopkins is the worst fucking Van Helsing. He's like a dirty, perverted, drunk uncle. You know what I'm saying? Like he he fucking sucks so bad in that movie, and it's just like I I I hate for the fact that Liam Neeson really wanted to play Van Helsing in that movie, but they gave it to Anthony Hopkins because he had just won the Oscar for Silence of the Lambs, and it's like no, you want Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson. Like I I still want to see Liam Neeson play Van Helsing. Oh yes, but I don't think in that movie it would have been a difference. I just think. It's... Oh no 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 yeah fuck that yeah. movie. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, put, put him put him put him in a, a, a different Dracula yes. movie. Yes, put him right. put him in playing Van Helsing in a different Dracula movie. He'll fucking kill it. Um, but no, like yeah, that 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 movie would have he still would have sucked ass in it because there there was no saving anybody. Gary Oldman is the only one that comes out fine, and maybe Carrie Elways. Yeah, I was gonna say Carrie was okay, but he didn't have a lot to do, so it's hard to like, like it's hard yeah. to gauge. And 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 it's nice seeing Bill Campbell and stuff that isn't the Rocketeer. Mm. Yeah, fair. And and not playing the the the, the abusive asshole in enough. Mm-hmm. Wait, I mean he did play a great abusive asshole. That's why I enjoy seeing him get his ass whooped by J Lo. So it all works out. But um, like and it's funny too. It's like we're speaking of Dracula, and it's like. This came out the same year as Bram Stoker's Dracula, and it's like a, Candyman is a better Dracula movie than that one. Yes, because yes. because Tony Todd is like plays that like you know that essence of Dracula perfectly, like you know that 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 cursed monster. Mm-hmm. But you know w- what I love about it is that he enjoys his um his kind of status. You know what I'm saying? Like the the, the little quote I, I um recited. He enjoys his status because it's like he understands what he is. He's something that never was and never has been, you know. And it's just like that's you know what I'm saying. You look at old monsters. You look at like Dracula, and he's like, I've been alive for hundreds of years, and it sucks, you know. And I and I I pine for my uh, reincarnated love. And uh, Candyman is just like. Nah, this is this is fucking cool, man. Like this is this fucking rules. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, I did like, like the idea that like um when like they show the painting that Helen is basically like the the same like visually she looks very much like the woman yeah. that Candyman fell in love with all those years ago. I was, that's actually, I think that's a cool idea. I think that's a cool touch. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like it's to the point, like yeah, I know, like they 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 bring in different iterations of Candyman in uh twenty twenty one, but you kind of needed Tony Todd in there, like you know when you had that cameo because it's like that 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 cherry on top, mm-hmm. you know. I won't I won't say the line, mm-hmm. the, his one line in in that movie, but it's 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 the movie, it, like it's the line that makes that movie, yes. and it's the last line of the fucking movie, yes, and it's just like. And it's glorious, but I'll save it to that for that discussion. Um, but Tony Todd is just like he's a he's you know, and it's cliche to use this word like in in describing a performance. You know what I'm saying? Like it sound like a fucking hack fraud, but 
he he is truly a revelation mm-hmm. as Candyman. You know, just that he's he's got that beautiful voice, mm-hmm. that beautiful Helen. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, and, and he, he understands exactly what he's doing when he delivers his lines and the way he does. Like, you know, Tony Todd obviously knows he has a great voice because, you know, like, the way he delivers lines, he's, 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 that, that's one beautiful motherfucker right there, Tony Todd. I, I love that man. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he, he's, he's one of those people where it's just like, even when he's doing voiceover roles, it's just like, holy shit, that's Tony Todd. Yes. Like, like when, like when, uh, he didn't show up, because obviously he's uh, another horror franchise he's in is uh, Final Destination, um, which uh, me and Patrick have definitely discussed talking about, and uh, like he he's he's a big part of that franchise, but uh, he has like voiceover, like he's in one and two, and I think he has a voiceover in three, and I don't know if I don't remember if he has anything he shows up in four. Which is why that, yeah. yeah. Which is why it's the, like, like. I mean, nah. I'm, I'm not gonna say it. Like, we'll just say it like because we're definitely planning on discussing all of them. Yes. But uh, like when it shows up and the like, hey, that's Tony Todd. Or when he, like, what was the, I think he was in Revenge of the Fallen. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> and it was like the the best part of that movie when Tony. Which Todd is not a high bar, but yes. <laughs> hey, he's like, yeah, like, hey, that's Tony Todd speaking. You know, and he's just like. Uh, uh, when he shows up in The Rock, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, he said, when we He's took on this mission, man. yeah, <laughs> what's that? He said, we became mercenaries, and mercenaries get paid. I want my fucking money, <laughs> Tony. Oh, God, and then, of course, uh, like, here, here's the thing, uh, we were talking, uh, George Romero, and you know. Uh, obviously, the, his dead film came up, like li- literally off mic. Mm-hmm. Um, and Night of the Living Dead came up, and uh, I, I love Night of the Living Dead. I worship Night of the Living Dead. We we talked about Night of the Living Dead, and you know, it's, to me, it's just one of the great end all be all of horror movies. Like you know, like people have Dawn or Day, and I and I really love Dawn and Day. Dawn is probably when it comes to the trilogy, is at the bottom because You're it has fucking lunatic. <laughs> no, no. You know why? It has okay. brown face. Oh, crap. Okay, fine. I'm not saying that's not a problem. I'm just saying from like an actual like, if you're like judging the quality of the films, I'm just saying that to me, like saying it's the worst one is insane. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the worst one. I'm just saying it's at the bottom to me, like. I love all three movies. It's just when 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 doing comparison, huh? There's four movies. Of what? Night, dawn, day, land. Oh, we're counting land. I yes, fucking Romero counted land. Oh, but we're not counting uh, Diary and Survival, huh? He he didn't count those as part of them. I don't think. I thought he said those were like their own thing. I could be wrong, but I thought he said those were their own thing. Um, Diary could remain its own thing in the shitter because that movie fucking sucks. Um, I, I remember, uh, oh man, when I first saw Diary, it was, it was such a sad thing. It was like watching, uh, Dario Argento's Dracula. 
And it's just like, and it's like you know, watching a horror master completely fall off in one fell swoop. I will just not say anything to that because I'm just going to upset people if I say what I was thinking there. So go ahead. It's all good. <laughs> but um, like the, the the one thing that holds Dawn back for me is the brown face. Yes. I, I George, were there not any actual Puerto Ricans in Pittsburgh that you could have hired? for a role that was only 30 seconds long in the movie. John Amplis as Rodriguez is only in the movie for 30 fucking seconds and you put him in brown face. You couldn't find any fucking Puerto Ricans. He barely speaks. But you put John and you put fucking Martin as a Puerto Rican in your movie. That is something I cannot abide by. I cannot forgive. I love you, George, but I, I I just can't. You know what I'm saying? As a Puerto Rican man myself, I, I just cannot. I, I, I cannot forgive. There had to have been Puerto Ricans in Pittsburgh. There are Puerto Ricans everywhere. <laughs> there wasn't one in fucking Pittsburgh that you could have hired for 30 fucking seconds to be in your movie. All I'm saying, man. <laughs> And, and here's the thing. I think George may have had some, something against Puerto Ricans because he did cast <laughs> one in Day and he made him a big fucking pussy. <laughs> like the one fucking Latino in the entire movie and shit, and he was a big fucking pussy. He's slapping women. He's crying. He's fucking like, bitch. Like, really, George, did you just not like us, Puerto Ricans? <laughs> did you just not like us? Because you didn't cast one, you wrote a role for a Puerto Rican in Dawn, and you didn't you cast a white guy in it, and then you cast an actual Latino in Day, and you made him a big fucking bitch. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm what the fuck, man? What the fuck? I love you, but what the fuck, bro? What the fuck? I'm just saying. That's why that's why Night is Superior. Night is Superior to all of them. You know what I'm saying? As a Latino man, that's <laughs> that's where I stand. You know what I'm saying? No Latinos get res- disrespected in night. That's why it's the most superior one in all the series. Okay. <laughs> However, um, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Um, so, George uh, concocted a remake of Night of the Living Dead in 1990. And Tony Todd is in there playing Ben. Now, I think I stated this when we discussed Night of the Living Dead, where Ben, as played by Dwayne Jones, is my all-time favorite horror movie character. I, I, I love Ben. I, I worship the character of Ben. Played by Dwayne Jones. Because, you know, it was just an iconic role in an iconic movie, you know what I'm saying? Just to have that, you know, just the, the, the image of a black man taking control of a situation where he's surrounded by white people, but the black man is in charge. And I love that. And like, he, he bitch slaps the white guy all the time. And it's beautiful. So it's like having somebody else play Ben. That that's, a, that's a heavy thing. It's like, you know, 
oh, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know about this. You know what I'm saying? You got somebody else stepping into a role because that usually happens in horror movies. Where, like, you know, we were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, and I love Jackie or Haley as an actor, but playing Freddy Krueger, mm, I don't know. Did all right, but, you know, he kind of helped this movie with his piece of shitness. <laughs> um, however, Tony Todd gives the role of Ben its own, like, its own thing, where he, he gives his, his own aura to it. Like, particularly the ending of it. And I don't, know, I don't know if I want to say too much, because we may want to talk about the, the remake of Night of the Living Dead one day. Because I, I do enjoy that movie a lot. Yeah. I mean, e- even though it's essentially the same fucking movie. But uh, I, I, I love the, like, you know, the changes they made to it. Uh, particularly in uh, the role of Barbara, played by uh, Patty Tallman. The great Patty Tallman. I should say, um, Patty Tolman was on Babylon Five, which is a great fucking show. You should watch it if you haven't already. I'm I'm a sci-fi nerd, and uh, I love Babylon Five. Like I didn't believe in that fucking whole rivalry between Babylon Five and uh, Deep Space Nine. I watched both of them because they were both fucking great shows. So you know, I'm just I'm just putting that out there. Also, Patty Tolman was um, the she bitch in Army yes. of Darkness. Yep. And she was also uh, the uh, the fucking um, the 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 stunt double for the for the the the, the goo covered girl in um, the raft segment of Creepshow Two. Um, she's the one, like you know, when when the homegirl gets sucked into the 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 trash bag, the big trash bag, because um, that's exactly what the fuck it is. It looks like a trash bag, you know. Uh, Howard Berger and Greg Nicotero, you tried your best, but it looks like a fucking trash bag in in the water. Uh, and there's a girl that gets sucked into it, but the girl that rises out, it hurts, it hurts. That's Patty Tolman. Um, so shout out to Patty Tolman, she's she's great. Uh, you know, just icon. Um, but uh, oh, people primarily known her as pl- playing new Barbara in the Night of the Living Dead remake. And she's fucking great in that. Like, they turn her into full-on Ripley. Um, and then you got fucking Tony Todd in there. You got the late, great Tom Tolls in there. Uh, you got William Butler in there. What the fuck? Like, it's, it's, this... Okay. Uh, we will definitely talk about Night of the Living Dead 1990 soon. I'm about to go into a whole fucking spiel about Night of the Living Dead 1990. It, it, it's actually a great fucking movie. Uh, greatly uh, directed by Tom Savini, who I wish directed more movies. Um, I know he was tasked with directing Creepshow 2, but he was like, nah, I don't want to do that. So they saved him for Night Living Dead 1990, and he did a fantastic job on it. And, uh, I wish, uh, he, I wish he'd direct more, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. Tom Savini's awesome. But, uh, yeah, Tony Todd is just absolutely fucking just one of the most fantastic actors ever like he usually plays villainous roles and i'm thinking that's because of his voice probably he he has one of those voices that's just like you, you got to cast this guy as a bad guy you know just he has a voice of one but it's just like one of the the greatest voices ever it's like it's like peter cullen yeah frank welker beautiful his voice 
Um, and 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 I love Tony Todd, and I just wanted to give that man his flowers because Tony Todd is just exceptional. Um, I think we should also give flowers to Virginia Madsen, even though uh, Patrick kind of put her out there and she has a portal. No, I think she's very good in the movie. I just think, and I don't, and in other movies too, like Sideways, I think she's great. Like, I, I think she's a good actor. I was just like, when I saw that quote, I was like, that, that, that's a fucked up thing to say. I, I, I mean, Jesus Christ, woman. Um, but no, yeah, like in the movie, especially, like, I think she's great. Cause like, I do also love her arc where like, it's kind of like the epitome of like, the person with the thirst for knowledge that when they actually gain the knowledge that they thought they wanted, it's just so much worse than they ever like. It's like they, it's like they, it's the epitome of be careful what you wish for. Like, mm-hmm. like the movie starts off with her being like, kind of like bright eyed and like, it's like, we're going to like do this. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like clout chasing essentially. Yeah. And then um, like when she actually like gets to Candyman it's like she basically it just a trip into hell, just deeper and deeper and deeper until like the end of the movie. That's why the thing I thought was really um, not to get into like the requel, but um, the thing I thought was really like it, both great and she with the requel was like when they like they started off when they tell the story and she's kind of like the villain of the story, and I was like, that's not the way it fucking happened. But I'm just like, that was the point. And I guess, like, so I, once I processed that, it was like, I got it. But I was just like, at first I was like, because no, I do think that the character of Helen is actually really interesting, yeah. um, almost as tragic character. Because like, again, like, even if it's clout chasing, it's still her trying to like get the story out there. And also um, just horrible things happened to her during the course of it that have nothing to do with Candyman or the story. Like her husband ends up cheating on her and taking it taking up with one of her students and so like by the end of the movie it's like she has a very like heroic exit where like she ends up saving the baby that uh candy man took and was just like going to sacrifice uh, and like loses her like hair basically loses her life in the process but then she basically becomes the new candy man which i always i was i'm still bummed they didn't like go anywhere with that because um like i again i don't remember three at all um i only vaguely remember two but I was like the fact that like they didn't like give her a movie where she could like I mean maybe maybe Virginia Manson just didn't want to do it. I have no idea. But um I always thought that would be a really interesting like way to go with it, where it's like kind of like the candyman, like the candyman that exists is like the candyman that is the black man that is like getting revenge on the white society for what they have done to him. And then the idea of her being the woman um, getting revenge for what, not like for what, basically for what men have done with her. Because basically, like, that's just her husband. Like, um, like, there's that whole scene where, like, they hear the Candyman story from, like, the guy who wrote the paper or whatever, and he's very dismissive of her. Like, the whole movie, like, she's not treated particularly well by anyone in this movie um, until, uh, until she's dead. Um, and at the end, they have the whole, like... Yeah, yeah. Session. Which, which was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, no. And um, so as I'm saying, like, I do think the character is great. And I think that her performance is very good. I just always thought that quote was fucking weird. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, I have nothing... I definitely think that, like, the, the character is very, like, underrated, I think. Because, like, I, I, my, my favorite part of the whole movie is um, when Xander Berkeley's character 
is basically living with the consequences of his actions and it's, it's finally all hitting him and he's saying her name and accidentally summons her and she like fucking guts him in their bathroom and the, the college student finds them or finds his body. Um, and it's just like, I just, it's just a beautiful way to end it. It's like, it's so good for her, but it's also so like fucking just gross and like violent and brutal. So it's like, I don't know. I love all of that. And I think that, she, yeah, no, I think that she's great in the movie. I think the character is great. I just like, it's like, I just like, I think that quote I always thought was weird, but it's only against her as like as the character or her performance. No, no, I feel that. Um, Real quickly, though, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Xander Berkeley, who um, a, a very underappreciated actor. Well, maybe not as much unappreciated because what I discovered was uh, on Twitter, I, I, maybe last year or the year before that, I posted it. Well, I can't even say tweet. Uh, what, <laughs> what the fuck do we call it now? Like like a post on X. Yeah, uh, I I I made an X. What, what the fuck, man? What the fuck is even that? The dumbest shit ever. Fucking Elon Musk and his bullshit. Um, <laughs> find this episode and all of our previous episodes at Chainsaw's Claws on X. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um. I posted a tweet uh, in, in a certain appreciation for Xander Berkeley. Now, Xander Berkeley is a great character, actually. He's always been one of my favorites. Every time I see Xander Berkeley in the movie, I'm just like, hey, it's that guy. But, like, I know his name, Xander Berkeley, because he has, like, an, ex- an exceptional actor's name, Xander Berkeley. Yes. You know, and he's always playing, like, like, like uh, a prick in a movie. You, like, you rarely see him, see him play a good guy in a movie. He's like a fucking Telly Savala's school of acting. He always plays a prick. <laughs> However, what that man like he like he's like and I should like you know I've stated this but like I should state unequivocally. He is an exceptional actor. He's great. He's one of the great character actors. What that man is best at is playing dead. No one plays dead better than Xander Berkeley. Like when you like in Terminator Two, when he plays Todd and he gets the fucking the 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 fucking T one thousand blade sword, yeah, yeah, in in his mouth, and then he's he's sitting there, he he's he's fucking standing there dead, lifeless, and he drops to the floor and he's dead. And then in this scene in Candyman, when he gets uh uh ripped apart, groin a gullet. By Helen, and and teenage uh, college co-ed finds him in the bathtub, dead. Like that is some of the best dead acting I have ever seen in my life. Every time I see Xander Berkeley as a dead act, like playing dead, it's the best dead acting I've ever seen in my life. That man plays lifeless, like. Nobody has ever done before. Like people play dead, and they're like, "Oh, like oh, you could tell they're still alive." I truly believe Santa Berkeley is fucking dead. Every time I see him play dead, <laughs> that motherfucker—he's got the eyes rolled back in his head. He's got the mouth open. 
every time, and it's like, that's a dead motherfucker right there. He's just fucking dead. Uh, and it's just, it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful dead acting. Um, and I posted that on Twitter. Or I posted that on X. <laughs> You were you were on MDMA. I understand. Yes. <laughs> I post that that nobody plays dead better than Xander Berkeley. Using those moments from Terminator Two and Candyman as an example, and the amount of replies and likes and retweets and motherfuckers actually uh, tagging him in the post. Hey, Xander Berkeley, look what this guy said about you. You're the best dead actor he's ever seen in his life. Holy shit. I never knew there was a giant fucking fan base for Xander Berkeley. And I appreciate it, though, because Xander Berkeley deserves all the fucking flowers. Mm-hmm. Because he is a great character actor. And I just wanted to put that out there. It's just like, you know, I think he's great actor overall. It's fantastic. But that man is the best unliving actor I've ever seen in my life. You know, no, like, I've seen actors play dead. Nobody does it better than Xander Berkeley. God bless that man for being dead. Is this, I've never seen him play a zombie, though. I don't think so either, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I think he would make a great zombie. You probably. know what I'm saying? With, with that fucking the eyes rolled back in that. Like, he would probably be, like, almost like Flyboy in Dawn of the Dead. You know, like, I, I heard people say that's the best Zombie performance they've ever seen. I honestly think it's Howard Sherman from Day of the Dead. Of course, was who's the best zombie ever, or or Big Daddy from Land. Mm. But I, I if, if if I had to choose between the two of them, it'd be Howard Sherman, because Howard Sherman is just fantastic zombie. Um, but yeah, um, just a uh, uh, fantastic cast and shit. Um, like Tony Todd, Virginia Madsen. I, I did want to say I, I believe this is a movie that Michael Madsen, her brother, has not seen. Yes, because she's like naked in it. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, and and Michael Madsen has vowed that he would never watch a movie with, with his sister in it where she's naked. <laughs> Understandable, because uh, I, I don't want to see my sister's boobs either. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying like gross. It is like that was actually the part that stuck with me most because um, I saw this when I was like because it came out when I was nine, so it's already either nine or ten. And, like, that was, like, that I remembered most for years afterwards was, like, the scene where she's, like, um, like covered in blood and, like, she's in the police station. And, like, that was the thing that stuck with me most. So, like, when I rewatched the movie, I was not disappointed by that aspect. Like, the lack of scariness I was disappointed by. But, like, that aspect very much lived up to my memory. And I was very happy about that. Also, uh, we should note that uh, that scene features an appearance by Rusty Schwimmer. Um... Uh, fantastic actress who, uh, who also appeared in uh, Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, um, where she plays the policewoman who tells uh, uh, Helen to get naked. And poor Helen's like, Can I please have a towel? <laughs> um, also, uh, I, I also wanted to, we we're talking about the cast, I wanted to give a note to Cassie Lemons, yeah, uh, yeah, who, yeah. Play, who plays Bernadette. Um, uh, Helen's uh, friend and like you know, um, what would you? I, I I was gonna say coworker, but she's not really a coworker. She's like just um, confidant. 
Yeah, like uh, uh, concierge or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, of course, uh, Cassie Lemons, of course, went on to great fame for directing Eve's Bayou, one of the all-time great movies, as well as The Case Man's Valentine, which is not as great as Eve's Bayou, but, um, it, you know, it's fine. Um, but being like, you know, as everyone knows, I'm the action guy. She plays the cop in Hard Target, yep. which uh, Patrick accused me of, of giving uh, Halloween Ends four and a half stars because Hard Target makes a cameo appearance in that. I literally, <laughs> that is one of, because as, as, as you, you, I guess you, you might have guessed audience members, uh, me and Patrick talk all the time. Um, and, uh, when Halloween Ends came out and I gave him four and a half stars and he watched it right after I did, uh, the first text I got, he said, I'm going to watch it now. Okay. And, uh, after he watched it, the first text I got was, you gave him four and a half stars because of hard target, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is one of my favorite texts from Patrick ever. It, it might be my favorite, uh, text from Patrick ever. Is uh, him accuse me of giving Halloween ends four and a half stars because Hard Target appeared in it. <laughs> but yes, she will always be near and dear to my heart because she was in Hard Target. She got murdered in it, but as she doesn't hear. But uh, you know, God bless uh, Cassie Lemons. Um, she has my favorite death scene in this movie too. Uh, I, I feel like it's probably the most terrifying death scene in the movie, to, to, uh, specifically because it there's really nothing to it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like you know that that essence of like you know that Jaws th- theory, where what you don't see it, it makes it scarier. Um, so Helen, uh, she's investigating this uh, the the urban legend of Candyman. And it becomes real to her where she becomes accused of the kidnapping of Anthony McCoy. Remember that name, everyone. <laughs> Anthony McCoy. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, the decapitation of uh, the mother's uh, Rottweiler. And, uh, you know, I'm saying she's being, uh, you know, I'm saying she's been released from jail and she's holed up in her apartment and Candyman appears to her. Uh, and Bernadette, her confidant, played by Cassie Lemons, comes to visit her. With, and, like, like I'm, I mean, it's probably sadder to us because we've seen the movie where Bernadette is shown standing in front of the door with the, with the flowers because you know what's going to happen to Bernadette. Poor Bernadette. You know. And she hears Helen crying. Bernadette, go! Helen! And Bernadette opens the door and it slams behind her and she turns around. And it's like, I, I love the fact that the way Bernard Rose shot it. Where it's just like, the door slams shut. And we hold on Bernadette. Cassie Lemons. And then, you know, she's totally in fear. And then it cuts to Tony Todd as Candyman. And he's got this just mischievous, evil look on his face. And then you don't see Bernadette get murdered. But you hear it, which makes you that much more disgusting. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you hear the and you hear a screaming bloody murder. But what's fascinating about it, which I love, <coughs> excuse me, is you uh, rarely ever hear slashers make a noise when they're murdering people. You hear the people, ah, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm dying, I'm getting killed. Ah! And the slashers are silent. Michael Myers never says anything or grunts or anything. Uh, Jason doesn't make any noise. Freddy doesn't. Well, he's making his puns, but he's not making any noise when he's fucking murdering people. Candyman is like, uh, 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 as he's ripping these fucking people apart. And it's just like, oh, that's fucked up, man. That's, that's fucked up. Fucking ripped her apart. And he's like, uh, uh, uh. like, like, almost like he's enjoying it. He's, he's enjoying fucking these people up. He also does that when he he fucking murders the the the, the doctor, mm. uh, where they fucking they're talking to yeah. Helen and shit in the psychiatric. Like... Yeah, which uh, another moment which I love and shit because it has that great moment where he fucking floats out the window, mm-hmm. and it's like you could see the fucking string fucking pulling Tony Todd or or the stunt guy whoever out the fucking window, but it's still a fucking great moment and shit where he just fucking like just. Flies out, and 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 it's, it is fucking fantastic, and it's just like, yeah, it's just this is beautiful thing, beautiful, 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 beautiful. Uh, and so I just wanted to, Cassie Lemon's dying is just fantastic. I mean, in the movie, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I I wish uh, Cassie Lemon's all the best, you know, and long life and you know long longevity in in life. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I just thought, like, you know, her death scene was great in the movie. And that that, that, that fucking doctor guy, I thought he was, his dying was great, too, in the spit and the blood. Um, I did want to bring up, like, the moment uh, Helen's death scene, which you had mentioned, um, where, because as we mentioned, uh, Candyman kidnaps the, the, the infant uh, Anthony McCoy. Remember that name, <laughs> um, and uh, we 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 cut to to the, the baby Anthony a couple of times in the movie to show that you know what I'm saying like Candyman is holding this baby hostage, and uh, the the climax is there's like a big like bonfire pit that's built that Helen climbs into because she knows baby Anthony's in there to, you know to rescue him. And it's a whole trap and shit because Kenny wants all of them to die together so they can live as one big urban legend family. And Helen's like, no, fuck you, man. Uh, th- this is bullshit. You ruined my life. I was a privileged white woman. And uh, now it's all ruined. Now everyone's treating me like a, like, like, like a black woman. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm getting shitted on. Because that's essentially what fucking happens. Let's, let's be honest. You know, I was about to call her Karen. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that's fucked up. But Helen is a privileged white woman. You know, like the way she walks into Cabrini Green, like, now ah, come on, let's go. Bernadette is like, honey, be smart about this. And Helen's like, no, I don't care. I'm going in there. You know what I'm saying? Fuck all this shit. I'm going in there, and, and nobody's going to tell me nothing. And then she gets her ass whooped, 
in the in the bathroom, uh, and and oh, they beat me. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck you think was gonna happen, lady? You, you go into the hood, dressed like a cop. They tell you you dressed like the pole, and what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? But like you know, she gets she gets homeboy arrested for 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 beating her up, and and like you know she's all smiling and happy and shit. Like yeah, I did something great. And then the real terror starts, and then nobody wants to believe her and shit. And it's like, yeah, you, you know, you treated like someone from the hood. You know, your whiteness doesn't matter here, bitch. You know what I'm saying? None of that shit matters now. You're you're one of us now. You know, nobody believes you. So she's like, okay, that's happening. So like, there's only thing one, the only thing one le- one thing left to do. Is I have to rescue this child, you know what I'm saying? Because essentially, I I riled all this Candyman shit up, so it's like I, I have to do something. So she goes in there and and and, and tries to rescue uh, Anthony, baby Anthony, and she catches fire because you know they 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 throw the, all all the burning shit onto it to set it on fire, and like you had this big crowd like, yeah, we're burning Candyman. But Helen's like, oh, I gotta rescue the baby and shit. And Candy Man's like, no, stay, let's burn. Come on, let's be, let's, come on, let's be one happy family. Come on. And she's like, no, fuck you. And I'm out of here. And like, you know, she rescued the baby, but like, you know, her 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 Karen wig catches fire, and, and she burns. <laughs> and, and, and like they put her out and shit, and like you know, her shit is all fucking charred up. She got Freddy Krueger head, <laughs> and um. But she's she's rescued the child, and like all is well, well not particularly because she she then dies, and it leads to her funeral. And let's just say that um, Trevor is is a truly piece of shit. Yes, because he he brings the mistress to his wife's shit. funeral. <laughs> you fucking motherfucker, you. Although. I I I don't think Trevor uh, he's a piece of shit, but I don't think he's a complete and utter piece of shit because he obviously loves Helen, mm-hmm. but there there is obviously there's a sense of separation there, where like he feels like he needs to step aside his marriage. You know, say like there there is that one moment and and it's fleeting, but when. Uh, after Bernadette gets killed and, you know, Helen's in the bed and I guess she's drunk, you see Trevor for a brief second and he's just like just bawling his eyes out for like a second because it's like he's conflicted, you know it's my wife and she's a murderer oh, like I I'm led to believe she's a murderer and all that shit. I'm I'm stepping out on my marriage. I'm fucking this co-ed because I'm a piece of shit. And but he obviously still loves his wife enough to the fact that it's just you know just like oh my god, ah, you know. And like he he he's with her. You know what I'm saying? She's obviously totally in love with him. Trevor, hold me. And, and you feel so sad because you know what's happening. You know the fucking guy stepping out on her and like you know and then like you know she's fucking moved into the psych ward and shit she escapes with the help of Candyman, and she comes home and he's already moved a new bitch in and they're painting the walls pink like what the fuck and 
you know, she, like, and you feel so bad for Helen at that point because you were all I had left. And, you know, he's terrified because he thinks his wife is a psychotic murderer. And, and his co-ed boo is fucking, oh, my God, she's here. She's going to kill me. Right? And then, like, you know, she goes off to, to con- confront Han- Candyman. She dies. And her funeral. And there's only, like, what, four or five people there. And he brings the fucking co-ed mistress. You piece of shit. How could you? Like, that's just this ultimate piece of shit bullshit right there. You brought the mistress to the funeral of your wife. And, but, like, you know, like, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And like, oh, God, you know, I'm so sad. And then they turn around and they see the entire projects coming to pay their respects to Helen. And I love that, uh, I'm I'm forgetting her name, but uh, Anthony's mother. Oh God, I don't know her name, so I can I mean I can look it up. I know I know it's played by Vanessa Williams, like okay. not not that Vanessa Williams, the other yes. Vanessa Williams. However, I love that she's leading the the way of the entire projects, the community. You know what I'm saying? Who are coming to pay their respects for Helen because helping them to defeat Candyman. And the look she has on her face, like, people have told me I'm wrong. Like, how would she know? But, I, like, the, the look she has on her face where she's looking at Trevor like, you motherfucker, you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's true. How could she know? But I'm guessing, like, you know, Helen's case would have been, like, high-profile news. And, like, you could totally look up. Oh, she was married to Trevor, this piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and, uh... She's walking in. She's holding Anthony. She's got the uh, little homie with her, and uh, like the entire project's walking behind them, like they all come in to pay their respects. And she's like, "Fuck you! We're we're gonna give her the send off she deserves because she's a fucking hero." And just that, just that moment, like I, th- I th- you know, you know, one thing we forgot to, to mention is the score by Philip Glass. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's good. It's, it's fair. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're good. No, Philip Glass uh, score is is absolutely utterly amazing. Even though he feels like he got suckered into making it, he's like, you, "You you fucking got me into making this cheap dime store slasher movie," and it's like, "But it's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard." I love I love Philip Glass music. Uh, he also did a score for uh, Hamburg Hill, my favorite war movie. Um, he's also did like like his his work is just fantastic, and his work in here is just utterly fantastic. But particularly, my favorite piece of music is Helen's funeral when they're all walking up, and uh, the kid drops the hook onto Helen's casket. It's just it's just a beautiful piece. Well, you know, all the music of Candyman is fantastic, but Helen's theme as well, which is probably the most famous piece of music from the movie. Uh, and it's just like, it's just beautiful. And I, I just love that moment. And I just wanted to put that out there because I felt like, you know, she was just like, you fucking piece of shit husband, you. You deserve whatever happens to you. And then, of course, you know, like a day later, he gets fucking his nuts ripped open by <laughs> Helen. Yeah. And he deserved it because he's a piece of shit. But, you know, you see his grief and his sorrow in that, in that moment right before he dies. Where, um, I mean, yeah, he's cheating on her, but I think there was a portion of him that still loved her. 
Oh yeah, no, I think he definitely still loved her. He just was he just wanted to bang his students. <laughs> yeah, because he's a piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a piece of shit that's that's banging a co ed. Um you're like forty, dude. She's like what, eighteen, nineteen? You're a piece of shit. And 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 you deserve to get your, your nuts ripped open by Virginia Madsen. I will say though that uh I, I meant to mention this, but uh, Virginia Madsen is absolutely gorgeous in this movie. Yes. Like that scene where like she like after like you know she visits the, the apartment and she saw as Trevor has moved into COVID and that shit, she runs out and she's standing on the bridge in the freezing cold and Candyman's like, They will all abandon you. And like she's just looking out in the water with the steam coming off because it's so fucking freezing out there because of Chicago. And Virginia Madsen just looks absolutely gorgeous with her fucking Karen haircut. You know what I'm saying? And it's just absolutely, you know, really, Virginia Madsen's a gorgeous woman anyway. That's but right. I, I think she's just particularly gorgeous in this movie um, with her Karen haircut. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know if I have anything else to say about Candyman because I think I've said a lot. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, like, no, yeah, no. Like, I mean, like, all, really, all I have to say is like, it's, it's, it's not my favorite. Candyman movie, but like it's definitely it deserves its place in like the horror pantheon. And like I definitely think that like there's a lot to like about it. And I think like fucking the cast is great. I think fucking um the icon the, the, the imagery is iconic. Tony Todd in that role is iconic. Yeah, the movie just it's 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 definitely it's a cool movie. It's not my favorite Candyman movie, but it's 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 it's, it's definitely it's a good time. Uh, I, I like I like how like I'm sitting here like he said it's not his favorite Candyman movie and I'm like wait a minute there's a another Candyman movie he likes more than this and they're like oh yeah that's right a cap a <laughs> cap Candyman yeah I pledge allegiance to a cap Candyman yes a cap a cap all day every day motherfucker. <laughs> Okay, and now on to our second feature, um, which is a movie. It's funny because, like, um, you will not appreciate this, but Andy would appreciate this. Um, it's a movie that I always liked and I always, like, kind of held on to. Um, but, like, I remember they when they were doing, like, a vampire episode of Psych, um, there's, like, a whole thing where um, Gus dresses as, I think it's, like, Lestat, and um, Gus dresses as Blackula, and, like, they call him Count Chocula, and he's like, what the fuck? And um, and Sean's response is, no one remembers Blackula, except for us and Quentin Tarantino. And I was just like, it's a solid joke. But I was like, I it's weird, because like, um, for whatever reason, I don't think I saw this as a little kid, but I was aware of it as a little kid. And like, I saw it for the first time um, when I was like a teenager. And I always really liked it. And um, I hadn't watched it before. Like we like had the idea to do it for this. I hadn't watched it in like years. Like, cause um, I was telling you before we were like on mic um, that, because um, you're about the IMDb boards. I was like, I basically came from like the Blade Disgusting boards, 
and also like the AFI boards that kind of morphed into Infinitropolis or like other stuff. But like, we would always go through phases where they're like, we would all like, be watching like spaghetti westerns. We would all be going through like whatever. And there was a period where we were all watching like black exploitation films, mm. and that was one of the ones that like stuck with me. It's like basically like probably my two favorite black exploitation films are this and Coffee. Um, but um, but like this. I always really liked because um, it's kind of got because okay, um, we're definitely going to probably do um, the original like Todd Browning Dracula at some point with Bela Lugosi. Um, right. Definitely going to do um, what is also called Dracula or Horror of Dracula in this country, uh, like the Hammer Dracula. Um, but there's like something very like special and unique about this one where it's like. Because it's like it's telling the Dracula story, but it's also telling it like through a completely different lens. It's also telling the Dracula story with it where it's changing it, but it's also changing it without selling out what it is. Because like Dracula appears in the movie, like in the beginning of the movie, where he creates, which it's still it's fucking hilarious to me. Like because like the whole movie, they, nobody calls him Blackula except for Dracula. Um, it's he they use like his name with Mawaldi. And, um, but like when Dracula is making him, he's like, was siring him in uh, Buffy parlance. Um, he's like, you'll be called Blackula. And it's the only time that comes up in the entire fucking movie. Um, but it's like, well, we, most... we, find, we find out Dracula's a racist piece of shit. Oh, yeah. Well, they make that, but to be, I mean, to be completely fair, it's like, it, we, we can't act like that's the only character flaw of, of Dracula. Like, there's, right. it's, it's like he's a good guy. He just happens to be racist. Like, he's not a good guy. It's just one more thing that makes him shitty. It's not like it's like we're suddenly just discovering new revelations about Dracula, our beloved Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like he was a piece of shit long before we discovered he was a racist. So him becoming a racist is just one more feather in his cap. Um, a captain is now uh, very much like a Native American headdress, who he probably also hates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, I think I do think the whole way they play it is really cool because it's very much the Dracula story. Because like, um, like the thing we we, we mentioned, like Bram Stoker's Dracula in um, the Candyman discussion, where like basically that movie kind of breaks down to being a. Well, I mean, it's it's just the Dracula story in general, where like he's a guy who like lost this love and now has the opportunity to get her back and is taking it and um this movie is basically it's doing the exact same story but it's doing it in a different way that i think is actually really still like decades upon decades later is still a really interesting take because like um it's actually like one of the only times i can think of they've done it where like it, you actually like get the full emotion from, like, all parties involved. Because, like, I feel like in Bram Stoker's and, like, um, like the Todd Browning's and, like, all... It's very much, like, a one-sided thing where yeah. it's, like, Dracula wants this woman. And basically, like, it, like, and the woman is just, like, I'm not that girl and, like, therefore doesn't have that connection. Um, whereas this take, um, where it's, like, the woman is receptive... And yeah. so basically it's him kind of like wooing her back, even though it's not obviously the same woman. Um, but at the same time, he's also contending with like the whole vampirism thing, but he's also not presented as being like 
I feel like there's a there's there's a thing to his performance that I would argue in terms of like the portrayals of Count Dracula, off the top of my head, he is probably I would say the most sympathetic. Um yeah. where like he actually like he, he doesn't you didn't you genuinely like feel for him and he doesn't feel like straight up villainous he just feels like a guy in the modern city that is kind of imbued with this monster element but it's not his defining feature like yeah. it's not his, it, it doesn't define him like it just it just it just happens to be part of him and um so like, as a result i think this is actually one of the best takes on dracula i think it's funny like you had mentioned a while ago that we hadn't done a Dracula movie. And I was just like, honestly, I'm stoked that this is the first one, essentially. Yeah. Because I think this is actually one of the best takes on it, even though on paper it seems really stupid. And the fact that, like, it kind of is a kind of forgotten curio um, of horror is really depressing to me. The yes. other thing, like, the other day when I had posted, um, like, I basically had put, like, I, took, I tagged, like, Scream Factory, Vinegar Syndrome, uh, Terror Vision... Um, Arrow, basically all the boutique labels, Criterion, and I was just like, where the fuck is Blackula? Like, I was like, give me fucking Blackula. Because Scream Factory did release the Blackula and Scream Blackula Scream um, Blu-ray like a while ago, but it's long set of print. And I was like, give it to me in 4K now. Like, what the fuck? Like, wow, this movie is great, and we're not, we don't get it, and this is bullshit. Because, as I said, like, I think that this should be one of the most definitive takes on Dracula. Like, when, when you think of Dracula, I think this should be one of the thing, first things you think of. It's one of the first things that I think of. No, yeah, totally. Like, and not not just, like, the takes on Dracula, just, like, I feel like when when people talk about black exploitation, they kind of talk about it with kind of like a, you know kind of like a, they, they pick a tone with it like, yeah, oh, like, like dismissive. yeah 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 very dismissive and it's like you know like now you have like the shaft movies in criterion well shaft and shaft's big score uh they said fuck you to shaft in africa because that was directed by a white guy and so fuck that movie um, i mean to be fair i feel like a lot of black exploitation was directed by like i know um the guy who directed coffee was white yeah. So it's like, and that's one of the best black rotation movies ever. So like, yeah, yeah, like, and, and let's just be note, uh, coffee is superior to Jackie, um, Jackie Brown, Foxy, Foxy Brown. Brown. I agree. Yes. No, I, I do. I do think Foxy Brown is cool, but yeah, no, coffee is exponentially better. Uh, oh yeah, coffee is so much better. Like I remember, like I, th- I think they uh, MGM released like a double feature thing mm-hmm. where they had coffee and Foxy Brown. And a, and a double feature, like a two disc uh, thing, and uh, I remember that was the first time I seen both of them, and uh, like you know, fo- every, everything was Foxy Brown, Foxy Brown, like you know what I'm saying, like you know Pam Grier, Foxy Brown, and I remember seeing Coffee, and I'm like, this is great, and then I seen Foxy Brown, and it's like, Coffee's better, yeah, like, Coffee's so much better, like Foxy Brown is fine, but Coffee is so much better, I think. Like coffee is like, like, like every everything that everyone remembers of like Foxy Brown is like they're remembering from coffee. Yeah, and it's just like you know, I'm saying like you know, just Foxy Brown is just a more memorable name. I'm 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 guessing because of um, Foxy Brown, the rapper. Yeah, probably. Um, well, also I think also part of it is probably just um, 
like black exploitation is it, it means like it's like all exploitation films where it's like I feel like um I mean it's like films in general, but like uh, it's just kind of more it's easier to kind of point at with exploitation films, but like there is definitely like kind of a sameness to it because that was the point. It's like it's like if something hit, it was like then you're just trying. It's the same thing with same with horror, where it's like the thing I've talked about before. Um, the reason I think this is one of the most interesting times for horror in a long time is because there isn't like a specific like thing. It's not like yeah. The Ring, where then something that was just like okay, so we're gonna do like J horror, like we're gonna basically milk this for all it's worth. Um, or like uh, Texas Master came out, so like we're gonna milk remakes for all it's worth, like whatever. Um, like right now, it's like, like yeah, the stream movies, the stream requels are doing really well, but also so is Terrifier two, and so is um, like Smile, and like so, so it's like nobody can pin down exactly. Like Talk to Me just came out and is done very well, yeah. um, and it's like everything. It's like nothing is the same, so they can't point to like anything particular to like try to like keep trying to milk and make more of. So basically there's kind of greenlighting everything and just seeing what happens, um, which is to me the best case scenario. But that was kind of the whole thing with exploitation, whereas I feel like because a lot of those movies had very similar, they had very similar elements, very similar tones, very similar like vibes, very similar, I mean, same actresses in many cases. Um, yeah. I think a lot of them kind of bled together. So like that's I do think that's probably part of why a lot of people don't remember Coffee as being the superior one, but I feel like anyone who has seen both films has to think that Coffee is the superior one. Otherwise, I don't completely understand yeah. where they're coming from. Yeah, nah. Black exploitation is like uh, uh like look, looked upon as very dismissive, and I, I I don't think that's fair because there are a lot of fantastic movies this one like blackula is the film where i use as an example as like when people are dismissive of the black exploitation genre i'm just like well just look at blackula because blackula is just like a fantastic horror film you know like that 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 one scene where uh the cab driver um, comes to life from the morgue and attacks the fucking uh, morgue attendant, uh, the dude uh, who was in fucking uh, the original House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. Which, 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 which is funny because he has a hook for a hand, which goes uh, in hand per se with uh, Candyman, our, our previous discussion. <laughs> but uh, I remember. I watched this for the first time, like I think in my early twenties, and it was playing on Spike TV uh, in the middle of the night, and uh, I, I watched it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, hey, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I was up, I couldn't sleep and shit. You know what I'm saying? So I'm watching something, and I'm watching Black and I'm like, this is fantastic. And that that scene in particular, like you know, when she's rushing him in the hallway in slow motion, mm-hmm. and it's like. From his POV, and like you know, she's just coming at him slow motion and shit ah! to fucking bite him, and it's like this is this is fucking fantastic, like and, and, and you know, I mean, uh, with the uh, particularly with when black exploitation got into horror, like you know, it could be really cheeky, you know, Blackenstein, Doctor Black and Mister Hyde. Which had uh, the late great Bernie Casey in it. Uh, also, um, 
Abby, which was uh, also known as the Black Exorcist, you know, say the Black <laughs> Exorcist, and it's like, okay, yeah, now you, you're just being cheeky right here. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I can see why people will look down on it. Like, you know, Warner Brothers even sued the producers of Abby because it's just basically just a remake of The Exorcist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but then, like, yeah, I get that, but with blackula it's like it's like the only thing dumb about it is its fucking title yeah blackula and like and and uh, it, 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 it's just the, the only reason it, it fucking matters that title is because fucking dracula is a racist piece of shit i shall dub you blackula and he means it as an insult mm. you know and and it's just like the the fact that it's the fucking title of the movie and like um Mama Walde is is a really dignified character. He's an African prince, you know what I'm saying, who just happens to have this confrontation with Dracula uh in the early what was it, seventeen, eighteen hundreds? Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, he gets bitten, you know what I'm saying? Because Dracula is a racist piece of shit, as we've established, who was like he's looking at his bride and like hey like you know i want her to be one of my brides you know what I'm saying this black lady you know what i'm saying because i'm i'm fucking racist <laughs> and my wild is like hey fuck you bro you ain't taking my lady and and they fight and you know what i'm saying like they, they get into this whole thing and and then dracula fully establishes like yeah i'm a fucking racist i shall w blackula and it's like oh fuck you you know what i'm saying and like like you said they they never refer to him as Dracula is the only person that refers to him as Blackula that one fucking time in, in the fucking movie, and that's it. He's Mama Walde, and I was like that. That's always like in rewatches the movie because you know I rewatch this movie fairly often because I I think very highly of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it's it's fantastic, and it, it always bothered me that you know what I'm saying it's Blackula because people dismiss it because of that. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. People dismiss it because, oh, Blackula is fucking silly. It's a silly thing. And it's like, no, it's not silly. It's it's, it's a very uh, fantastic movie. And it's, and it's important in, 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 the, in the spectrum of black exploitation films. But, uh, like, its title holds it back because, like, you hear that title, Blackula, and you think it's fucking like, oh, this is, this is dumb. Uh, Sky dumb, you know what I'm saying, with a fucking title like that. And like, no, it's it's not only it's a fantastic movie, like Patrick said, it it's it's just an incredible retelling of like like the Dracula mythos, but just from a different perspective. You know what I'm saying? Also, like what what I love about it is Black is probably Mama Walde is probably the most uh, sympathetic character in the entire movie because, like, you know, like, he, he had this curse that stood upon him, and, like, and he has this feed. It's like, it's almost kind of like Blade, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's I was actually like, going to say, like, he needs to feed. Like, yeah, this is kind of like the, like, almost like the, like, distant precursor to Blade, like, in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. it's like even though it's like, Blade is kind of the antithesis because Blade is hunting vampires, but, like, I definitely feel like like the people who made Blade, I feel like this had to have been somewhat on their minds when they made it because there are definitely vibes 
of Blackula that you can find in Blend. Yeah, where it's like with with the with Blade, it's like the makers of that watch Blackula and was like, no, he's the hero of the movie. Because I look at him as the hero of this movie. He is, yeah. And, like, the hero of this movie is, like, I'm going to get controversial, but he's the fucking traitor. Because the guy that's basically the Van Helsing of this movie is essentially... Okay, let me, let me, let me just... You know, Beavis. Let me, let me, let me, let me, hold on. Let me, let me, let me get into a particular position. The, the, the guy that's considered the hero of this movie is a black man, of course. Mm. But he's in uh, connection with the police who are through and through white in order to take down Blackula. You know, Mama Walde. And, uh, like, you know, like, he gets his old, like, white cop buddies and him, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we need to take this man down. And Mama Walde is, of course, is like, we've established as an African prince. And if you notice, Mama Walde only turns either uh, fellow black people or uh, disenfranchised people as for, like, the, the you know, the, the, the gay couple in the beginning of the movie. And the only people he actually kills, he doesn't turn, he kills are either white or police. Yes. Like he only like like he only kills police and we see the police be these absolute bastards. A cap. Yes. Even even back then. Yes. He just murders them. <laughs> I like you say even back then, as if like things were like substantially different and not way worse <laughs> before body cams were a thing. You know, like he turns the cab driver who is a black woman, um, like the, the the gay couple, as I've mentioned. But like when it comes to police and white individuals, he he murders them, and this our hero is essentially helping the police to take down Memo Walde. And it's like, like, he's portrayed as the hero. Like, oh, yeah, we gotta stop this guy. He's turning people into vampires. And it's like, no, you need to be stopped, you fucking motherfucker, you. Like, you you son of a bitch. Like, like why, why, like, oh, like, yeah, I need to course with my white cop buddy to fucking take down this African prince, you know what I'm saying, who just come back to life to, to, to find his, you know, his long lost reincarnated love. And it's like, who are we really rooting for here? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is going to sound very crazy, but it's like your brother helping the other man Take down your fellow brother man. I was going to use a term that is wrong for me to use, so I'm not going to use it. Like, um, 
involves the phrase uncle is all i'm saying like this is like the word uncle oh. is, <laughs> is wrong yeah. for me to use it but like it's i definitely like it, it's accurate in describing that character he he is i i i feel you and he is definitely the uncle yes and it's like you know, as as much as I respect this film, it's like I feel like they were misguided because they felt like you know, hey, like you know, he's he's a bad guy because he's a vampire. Is he really? Because you have your hero of the film being through and through one hundred percent uncle. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not going to say it because it is not. I you know I agree with Patrick, and and it is not in our place. To say that, but it is 100% accurate. He is uncle. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> yes. But yes. Like, you know, like I said, he's a brother helping to take down his brother man in cahoots with the other man. That's, you know, that's as far as we're going to go with that. Because it's like, you know, you look at the vampire. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course, he's the bad guy. But it's like, if you watch the film and you understand the context, it's like, is he really the bad guy in all of this? Yes, he's been afflicted with this curse. But is he, what he's really doing is wrong. He just, he, 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 he lost his lady love. You know, he had, the curse was throw, like, thrust upon him. It wasn't like he was like, it's like the other vampire movies where it's like, it's a choice. Like, let's like say for like the example, like the Lost Boys, which I love, or like um, Near Dark, um, which I mean, great. I guess it's not initially his choice, but it becomes his choice. Um, it's like it's not like one of those, or even like like the Twilight movies. Um, it's like there's very much like an element of choice to it, where he literally is cursed. Like he literally like is this black man of great stature that uh, a white man uh, that it happens to be a vampire decides he needs to be taken down a peg and instead of just, you know, like killing him, like he he turns him into a fucking vampire, curses him with this vampire uh, essentially disease that he has to live with and then all he's trying to do essentially is put his life back together the way it was before he lost everything. Yeah. Um, hundreds of years ago. So it's like, it's very hard to see that character as villainous. Because it's also, I do think a part of it is, um, <laughs> I, his real name is William Randall. I always just want to say uh, the king of cartoons, because when I was a small child, like my favorite thing in the world was Pee-wee's Big Adventure, or Pee-wee's uh, Playhouse. And um, the character that uh, William Randall plays on that is the king of cartoons. So, like, I do, like, the first thing I think of when I see him, it's something funny, is I was watching Black Hill again for the first time in, like, so long, and I was like, it's like, he definitely, I know he's Black Hill, but I was like, what else is he? And then I was like, oh, fuck, that's the king of cartoons. Like, well, it's even uh, fucking track in my brain. <laughs> and, like, but, and like, his performance is so good. Like, he's just so, he's so charismatic. That's oh, all, yeah. that, all that adds to the fact that it's very hard to see him in any kind of villainous, like, light. Which, uh, uh, two things. Um, number one, it's William Marshall. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, and yes, he is utterly fantastic in the film. Like, you know, 
almost Shakespearean in his portrayal of Memowale. And uh, as if if I recall, like, you know what I'm saying, reading it, that he was instrumental in the portrayal, like, you know what I'm saying, because it was supposed to, like, he was supposed to be, like, you know, just a regular guy and all that stuff. And, like, when he came onto the project, he was like, no, we need to make him an African prince. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know... And it's I feel like that that just makes the film more richer, and and you know saying and and watching it, you well, yeah, know, he does a similar thing to what um kind of Tony Todd did with Candyman. Exactly. Yes. Like, it's like so. It's like on paper, it's very much like a like a one dimensional kind of just evil, but because they're such good performers, um, they turn them into three dimensional, deeply sympathetic characters yes. that yes are monsters. But they are deeply sympathetic monsters. Like they, they, they're, they're essentially. There's a very simple read of their both of their films where they are the hero of the piece. They are not the villain. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, like it, it works out for this, for this double, where like we were discussing how like Candyman came out the same year as uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and it, it essentially is the better Dracula retelling. Whereas uh, Blackula also came out the same, not the same year, but the same decade as like uh, John Badham's Dracula, which you know starred Franklin Jella, and this is the better Dracula telling than that, you know what I'm saying? Because that one decided to fucking tell, uh, like, to treat uh, Dracula as like this holy romantic figure, and it's like, no, no, that doesn't fucking work. Yeah. Um, it works better in here, you know what I'm saying? And, and, it's, and it's weird, too, because I think of uh, John Banham's Dracula with Franklin Chilla, and I'm thinking of uh, that movie starts with uh, um, Dracula being on uh, the Demeter. Okay, yeah. And, uh, like, like, yeah, we've been talking about uh, The Last Voyage of Demeter and, like, how uh, Universal seems to be throwing that motherfucker away. <laughs> like, Which, you guys keep saying that, but I was just like, I've seen that trailer... Against my will, like at least four or five times in theaters recently. So, like, I definitely don't feel like it's being like thrown away in the way everybody else seems to. But like, that's just me. Like, and, and another thing is like, I have not. I've no. seen. I, I can't remember uh, where I've seen that trailer play in movies. I've seen like maybe scream because I have not seen because my work schedule just fucking sucks so i'm not able to see movies like the way everyone else has unless i fucking take off like to see movies um i think i've seen that movie that that trailer play in front of a one two movies but i don't know but i've watched that trailer multiple times on youtube and i will say that uh that that trailer lives in my head rent free Particularly because of the, they play um, uh, uh, yeah the um, smashing pumpkins, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the world is a vampire, and it's just like I love that song so much. So it's like, yeah. you know, and also it's just like because, like, like if we take could take a minute to talk just about Dracula retellings. Mm. You know, like, and we've had so many retellings of the Dracula legend and the movies. 
um we like we you and me have talked about doing like pure dracula movies on this show like and i mean this counts because dracula does appear in this mm-hmm. and this is like a pure dracula retelling mm-hmm. you know just from a from a different perspective but like you know we talked about doing todd browning's dracula uh hammer's dracula uh Nosferatu. yeah nosferatu we definitely haven't talked about doing Bram Stoker's Dracula because we're never going to fucking do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's my evil laugh. I mean, so, that episode would just be the sound of a gun going off and my brain's hitting the back of the fucking wall. That, that, would, be that, that would be the audio on that episode. Absolutely. Um, uh, we've talked about, like, like, here's the thing. We've talked about seriously doing Dracula 2000 mm-hmm. more than we've talked about doing Bram Stoker's Dracula because we find that to be a superior version of the Dracula story than yes. Bram Stoker's Dracula because Bram Stoker's Dracula sucks fucking cock all the fuck fucking way through. God damn it. <laughs> uh, you know, and... The last voyage of Demeter just seems like to be like just like, cause like we've seen how, how many fucking tellings of the Dracula legend we've seen told, like, like like Todd Browning's Dracula, Hammer's Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, fucking Dracula two thousand, Dracula Untold, Dracula Untold, yeah, that that was supposed to be the. The the dark universe fucking yes. uh, yeah like that whole fucking thing fuck it fuck it all to hell. Um, um, but yeah, then there is uh, also I mean there's uh, the um, Langella Dracula you mentioned there was the Jack Palance Dracula. Oh um, yeah, I, can't remember I remember, who remember that. But yeah, I remember Dan Curtis. Okay. Um, I remember that specifically the Jack Palance one because. Uh, my my grandmother, may she rest in peace, God bless her. Uh, she was watching that and she was really into that. And she had to go to the store. I was staying over her house, and she was watching that and she was really into that. But she had to go to the store, and uh, at the same time they were showing Highlander two, the quickening. And when she left, uh, I changed it to Highlander two, the quickening. And then she came back, and I hadn't changed it to the. And she was like, "What happened?" But I, like, I hadn't changed it back to Dracula. And she was like, she, "She, she, 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 she got medieval on my fucking ass, yo!" Like, she was pissed because I could not tell her what had happened. Jack Palace Dracula, because I was watching. I changed it to watch Highlander Two: The Quickening, which shows how much of a little fucking shit I was. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck? And King movies that absolutely suck. <laughs> <laughs> like speaking of like uh, of a little, how much of a little fucking shit I was. I changed Dracula with Jack Palance to watch Highlander Two, the quickening, not not the renegade version, or not the final version. Highlander 2, the quickening, like the original theatrical version. The one piece of shit that everyone wishes they'd forgot. 
I changed it to watch that. I'm a son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) No one disputing that, Rob. No one disputing that. (laughs) But yes, we have had so many different versions directly. Like I, I'm not. We didn't even mention oh, Blade uh, Trinity. That's also that's got Dracula in it. Yep. Yeah. Or no, he's not Dracula. In it. He's I'm Drake. not. He's, he's Drake. <laughs> he's he's Drake. But I yo, I saw that. I saw that in theaters on a date. I saw that in theaters with my friends. <laughs> yo, like no, let me tell you, like, uh, um. <laughs> I saw that with we will never cover. So yeah, go ahead. Go go no. on. <laughs> no, no. Um I, I saw that with a girl who 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 really wanted to watch Coach Carter. <laughs> okay. Like that's the movie she wanted to watch was Coach Carter. And I convinced her to watch Drake Blade Trinity. <laughs> and she she was she was not happy. Starring Master Thespian Triple H. Yes. <laughs> like, it, it was a movie that was like, hey, I like Blade 2. Let's watch Blade <laughs> Trinity. And she was like, oh, okay. And she was like... For some reason, another part of Posey made her incredibly upset. <laughs> like she was, she was not happy with Parker Posey. <laughs> the entirety of that movie. That actually is like it's funny because my brother, um, for years, for years, Rob, after seeing that movie, he hated Ryan Reynolds' that movie so much that he hated. He held a grudge for at least a decade. It wasn't until Deadpool that he texted me and he was just like, this is the first time that I've ever watched Red Rolls in a movie since Blade Trinity where I don't fucking hate his fucking guts. And I was just like, fair enough. <laughs> you know, it's fun. that's funny because I was like the opposite of that. It was like, I remember... There was there was a movie with Ryan Reynolds where he was like a teenager called like Ordinary Magic, where like he he was like a teenager who healed an entire town through meditation. And um, I remember uh, the late great Glenn Headley okay. was his aunt in that film. And, uh, like, he would just meditate and, like, he would convince people, like, oh, we need to meditate and we could be better. And, like, they were going to tear down their house, but he, like, meditated and they were like, oh, we don't want to tear down their house anymore because he's meditating. And Ryan Reynolds was, like, maybe, like, what, like, 14, 15 in that movie? And he was playing, like, a fucking, like, 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 you know, Indian? But, like, you know, <laughs> okay. Fucking Ryan Reynolds is, like, 100% Canadian? Yes. And then it's like, oh, I remember that. Like, this movie, I love this movie. Like, you know, because I used to watch fucking HBO for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I seen Airborne like 100,000 fucking times because all this show was Airborne. Uh, shout out to, to the big bro Mike. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, was, I literally was just listening to uh, Mike talking about how um, on Larry's show, 
where uh, the reason he's seen Airborne so many times and dissected it is because every day for like however long, a busy channel from like three to five would be playing Airborne. And so like, he, and he was like 19, he was like fresh out of like a high school and nothing better to do. So he just kept watching Airborne over and over and over again. So like, yeah, no, that, that tracks. <laughs> no, like in fucking HBO, you should show that motherfucker all the time. So like that's how... Me and my sister used to watch fucking Airborne all the goddamn time because HBO was just like, that was the, the Airborne channel. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, like, no, like, they used to show that fucking movie. And it's like, that's how I, like, because, like, everyone discovered Ryan Reynolds through, like, the two guys, a girl in the pizza place. And I was like, oh, no, I know about that motherfucker from Ordinary Magic, that fucking uh, meditating movie. You know what I'm saying? But he just meditated and shit for 90 minutes. You know what I'm saying? I like that Rob is very proud of this information (laughs) that he's sharing with people. No, (laughs) like... like, Oh, no. I was a fan of Ryan Reynolds when he was in even shittier projects. Exactly. (laughs) So, like, there was that. And then, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, he he went into fucking, like, Van Wilder's shtick. To be fair, I have no issue with Ryan Reynolds. Um, I don't like him in Blade Trinity, but I don't have the same hatred for him my brother does. Um, but um, I, I did. Don't, I, I don't, did uh, it. Yeah, I did it until Deadpool two. See, I still he, don't. Like, I, I, I I've never seen anything where I hated him. Um, no, I didn't no. like him in Blade Trinity, but that was it. I like he was my saving grace in Blade Trinity because I. Fucking hated it. I don't like Blade Trinity, but um, I I don't like, like Blade Trinity either. The things I like in Blade Trinity are like the actual Blade parts, where it's like Blade versus Dracula is a cool idea, and Chris is, is that executed super well because David Goyer is not a good director. But no. like um, all the stuff where there, it's basically like a pilot for a Night Stalkers movie. I was like, all of this I don't want. Like all of this, if you cut this all out. I'm happier as a film fan. Like you just you're ruining everything with this bullshit. Yes, yes. That was that was my takeaway. Like I, I saw it from a different perspective, but I I you know, I agree with you that I watch Blade Trinity and like, what the fuck are you doing here, bro? Like, uh all the blade stuff was just like just completely just like I don't even know the word for it, like misdone, undone. Be- but uh, why would you kill off Whistler in the first film, bring him back in the second film, and then kill him off in the third film unjustly? Like, and I know, like, like I, I have my own, thing, like, my own problems with Blade Trinity, particularly Patton Oswalt, who loves to tell those stories about, like, oh, how fucking Wesley Snipes acted on the set when it's like. I completely understand why Wesley Snipes was pissed off about that movie because, you know, David Goyer wrote and directed a piece of shit and Wesley Snipes was accurately pissed off about it. But they're like, oh, like Wesley Snipes, you know, the angry black guy. And it's like, well, no, he's a a regular pissed off guy. He's an angry man that happens to be black. (laughs) Right, you know, because... David Goyer wrote a piece of shit and then he directed it and you all got yay! You know, we get I be- have realized about David Goyer in general is like, 
his scripts, when they are directed by somebody who is a good director, yes, are great. So he has this like reputation as being great. But then, like when he directs his own shit, it's fucking it's not great. So it's like it kind of exposes that it's not that like it's like that like for instance like Batman Begins isn't great because of David Goyer. It's great in spite of David Goyer. <laughs> like it's just like so. Yes, like what, what Patrick is trying to say is not only is Blade Trinity a piece of shit, the Unborn is a piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? Because I saw the Unborn. Because uh, Odette Usman is in it. Yeah. She's uh, in it yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's she's fantastic. But that movie sucks. Yes. <laughs> I no, he's saw... not a good director. He's not a good director at all. He, I, I don't not... like this. No, no. Like when he directs shit, like uh, luckily he stopped. It seems he stopped. He yes. stopped punishing us with his bullshit because his shit sucks. Blade Trinity sucks, and the Unborn sucks. Thank God. And uh, there's a middle one. Um, I would say it's like the Invisible or something. That is also not good. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Why did you remind me of that <laughs> shit? I remember the Invisible. That sucks. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that stars uh, Tom Cruise's son from War of the Worlds, who was yeah, also in... Uh, who was also in... Uh, uh, and Dragon Ball Z. Oh, yeah. The Dragon Ball Z movie. Yep. And he sucked in that. And he Although was also he was with... good in um, um, Shameless. When he was on Shameless, he was good. No, but he was, uh, what was it, Justin Chasman? Chatwin, yeah. Chatwin, yeah. He was also in, like, I, I, I haven't watched it, so I can't comment on this quality. But, like, its trailer annoyed the fuck out of me. And it was at that fucking Die in a Gunfight movie. I've never seen this. And, and like, I, I remember... Uh, like the trailer came out, and it like I just I I was annoyed by this movie to the point where it was like I will never watch this fucking thing. It was one of those movies where it's just like is 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 trying to be too cool. It's it's like a fucking what was this? What's that fucker's name that the uh that makes that that show that uh, the uh Euphoria? Oh, Sam Levinson, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of his shit where it's like pretentious, too cool for school pieces of shit. Which is why I don't watch that motherfucker shit. For the record, I like Euphoria. I've already said that, but I'm saying it again. I here's get a, here's the thing. other stuff, but I like Here, Euphoria. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about Euphoria. I've never watched it, but I, I like Zendaya and Sydney Sweeney. Sydney Sweeney, obviously. I like the whole With, cast, honestly. No, but Zendaya, uh, Zendaya, it's, I'm, I'm a huge fan of hers. Uh, you know what I'm saying? The, I'm not going to say I'm in love with her because she's too fucking young. Um, so I just say, like, I, I, I respect her as, as an actress. And, you know, she's gorgeous and she's very talented. And Sydney, Sweeney, Sydney Sweeney as well. Um, even though, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, wh- whatever the fuck she's got going on with her family, Thin Blue Line, Trump shit, you know what I'm saying? Fuck all that. Uh, burn the fucking hell. All that shit. <laughs> um... You know what I'm saying? But, like, Sydney Sweeney's a good actress. Um, but, like, that fucking dying in a gunfight shit is, like, you know, like, oh, we're so cool. Look at us. You know? we Like, you know, like, you, you remember, like, when fucking Tarantino became a thing in the 90s and everybody yes. wanted to be Tarantino? Yeah. And it's like, look, look, I like things to do in Denver when you're dead. 
I knew you were going to bring this up. This is a fair example. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, and uh, like Love in the 45 and, and, and like all those movies. But it's like, you know, those discount Tarantino movies where like yeah. where we're too cool, where they completely misunderstand Tarantino yes. as, as, as a writer and a, and a filmmaker. Where it's just like, oh, the cool dialogue, and it's like, if if like you know, you're overstylizing your your dialogue, you you don't understand Tarantino because Tarantino is not doing that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you you're completely misunderstanding him. This is why we got all this fucking fucking just crazy shit. I do love things to do in Denver when you're dead. Um, like I, I mentioned that when we were discussing like Dead Heat, you know, what I'm saying in 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 tribute to Treat Williams, and it's fantastic. But like even that, where the the, the dialogue dialogue was over stylized because like they think they're doing fucking Tarantino shit, and that's what not Tarantino was doing. You know, what I'm saying, and that fucking die in the gunfight shit is just like we're we're still doing that. We're still doing fucking. Discount Tarantino shit in, in, in the age of our Lord 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, whatever the fuck that piece of shit came out. And, and I feel like Sam Levis is doing the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Which is why, like, you know, I saw that trailer for Assassination Nation and I'm like, I never want to see this motherfucker shit ever. It was fine. I don't. I don't hate it. I don't. I will it. take your sick. word for it. <laughs> I never want to see any of this motherfucker shit. Like the closest thing I think I've ever come to like shit like that is Tragedy Girls, and that's okay. fine. Yeah. I, I fucks with Tragedy Girls. Yes, I like but like, Girls. like, like that's the closest I think I will come to that motherfucker shit, and I never want to come that close ever again. Okay. I remember I was I, I guess upon Action for Everyone show we talked we talked about baby assassins and I was like this reminds me of Tragedy Girls just a terrible version of it <laughs> and and Mike was like that's fair I also <laughs> thought of Tragedy Girls when I was watching Baby Assassins yes but Tragedy Girls is actually making a point where Baby Assassins is not because that movie's a piece of shit. It's like three episodes of Seinfeld with two action sequences in it. <laughs> and it sucks. And fuck you. I hate that. I'm going to bring this back to Black Hill. <laughs> yes, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> but no, like, um, <laughs> the, I, the one thing about Black Hill that I do think is fucking really fucking weird um, is the whole thing of, like, I don't hate the idea of, like, when he, like, vamps out. Um, he his appearance changes. The one thing I do think is fucking weird is when he vamps out and a gets way more um, pronounced facial hair for some reason. Yeah, and, and also gets pale <laughs> for some reason. I was like, I get the idea that he is dead, and so therefore, like, the, but I was like, to be fair, why wouldn't he just be pale all the time? We're, we're going to make that argument. Like, why is he just pale when he's going to vampire mode? Hold on, on, Patrick. Because that's the white portion of him coming out. (laughs) I guess the 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 white portion of him is the evil portion that's coming out. Like when he when he's the the, the cool, calm, collected version of himself, he's black. But like when he turns evil and he's like he starts vamping out, that's when he's the the white version. He's he's the he's the other man. He goes from the brother man to the other man. 
Okay, and when the other man, he's the, that is that is actually that actually does work for me. So yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll appreciate that. <laughs> see, see, this is why I love Patrick because Patrick understands that the white man is evil. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have more than once in my life uttered the phrase "I hate white people." So like, so yes, no, I I, I have no problem whatsoever prescribing to that notion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, because he was bitten by a white man, and the, the white man infected him with his white evil. So when he becomes evil, the white portion comes out, and he affects everyone else with his white evil. No, that makes and, sense. I never that never occurred to me. I don't know if it was intentional because I think it was directed by a white guy. But that does actually make sense. I'm willing to go with that. <laughs> that's how I look at it. Yeah, like, no, that's actually that's a good that's actually a good read. I like that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and it's like. But like that—that's the—that's the thing that bugs me out is like you know what I'm saying the actual evil person is you know the the actual pure black man, who fucking wants to hunt down, uh, Mama Walde with his his white cop buddies, you know what I'm saying, like you know just like oh yeah you know what I'm saying we're we're gonna get this guy you know what I'm saying I'm gonna get my white friend and his white cop buddies and we're gonna take him down and it's like you fucking Look, Thomas. All right, like, uh, like you son of a bitch, you. You know, it's the fucked up thing is that, like, the the climax. We should bring up the climax where, like, you know, and it's a great climax. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, was is in the warehouse. You know, it's a beautiful low budget film climax. You know, takes place in a warehouse. Yes. And like they, they 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 go to the coffin of Memawalde and they open it up and they like they, they go to stake Memawalde and um uh reincarnated love interest is in it and they stake her instead and she dies which is fucking uh this motherfucker's uh love his 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 girlfriend's sister mm-hmm. you just killed. Your, your your girlfriend's sister. And she's like, oh, oh my God, kill his sister. And remember Walde shows up and it's like, you know, you just you just killed my love. You know what I'm saying? I lost her for a second time. And he could just fuck them all up. He could, but he's so just broken hearted that he was like, you know what? It's, it's all good. I'm going to go walk off into the sun and die because you son of a bitches took my, my, my love for me a second time. You and this white motherfucker. (laughs) What's like, I mean, it's like, it's like the thing is like, I, it's not even just that. It's like, that's definitely a factor, but I feel like the thing, yeah, it's like basically (laughs) like it's, he's lived for, he's lived with this curse for like, centuries and like finally like he has like this light at the end of the tunnel yes and when it's taken from him it's just it's too much for him to bear which i do think is also a really interesting cool way to do the kind of the dracula story um because even like most vampire movies like in general um (coughs) it's always like they go out usually they go out with a bang they go out like fighting it's always like yeah it's like it's always like, with the exception of like, um, like thirty days a night, um, 
most of the time. But even then, like he goes out fighting, and then he just when he actually goes to die, then then he just like lets himself go. But he, uh, but like most of the time, it's like very much like like the Lost Boys. Like I mean, any of those like near dark pick pick a like pick a vampire movie, they always kind of go down swinging. But like in his case, it's it's almost it's so much more sad like it's most it's so much more tragic yeah he's just like just accepts defeat like it's just like i finally had everything that i had lost like it was it finally everything that i it's like i've it, it was like i've it felt like i atoned for whatever the hell but like finally like karma whatever had finally come back together for me and now it's just it's just falling apart in front of me, and it's just too much for him to bear. And I think it's actually like really, really brilliant. And yes. I think is what makes that character, again, one of the most interesting takes on Dracula, um, because it's kind of the opposite of what you generally get from that story. Like it's not like a guy who's like, it was the movie is never about vengeance. Like, a lot right. of Dracula movies, even when he's, like, searching... I mean, because even the, the, the Dracula story in general, even when he's searching for um, this woman, he's crossed oceans of time, whatever, um, he's still a murderer. He's still, like, doing horrible things. And this movie, it's, like, basically, that is essentially barely there like it's like he definitely does do some like vampiric stuff but mostly it's in the name of just trying to keep everything copacetic it's not like it's for like it's not like it's 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 like it's basically to protect himself until he can make this all work and then presumably he can just get the fuck out get off the board like he doesn't want to be like vamp like the the dracula taking over the world he just wants this one woman and to be his own thing, and then suddenly, so when he loses it, it makes it that much worse because the entire movie is kind of built up to this moment, and then it's just gone in an instant. Yeah, like, like I like I mentioned before, like he doesn't turn, like he's not just like in, interested in turning like anybody per se, like you know, like almost like he, he turns the disenfranchised. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the gay couple in the beginning who we refer... Like, we, we hear the police refer to as the F-words. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, letting us know that even back then, ACAP. I like that you're saying even back then. Again, I, I feel like it was worse back then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Even back then is like... That's that's the opposite. Like, it's like... It's like I feel like... It's it's it would be marginally better now because body cams exist. That's really the only thing that's making improvements. Right. It's just like that. No, like but like but like you, you you see the police roll up and they're referring to these characters in such a way, and you know he he's this is who he's turning, and like you know like 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 the like I said the, the disenfranchised, you know. And then, like, when he confronts, like, these cops, he just murders them outright. He doesn't turn them, like, like you know, in the climax, he's fucking 
taking the cops and like fucking just breaking their necks and throwing them. Oh, fuck you. Because, you know, I know you're the pieces of shit. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, like, like this gay couple in the beginning, like, you know, my bride, you know what I'm saying? This cab driver, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and who does she attack? She attacks the white guy first. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, you know, when she gets destroyed, she gets destroyed by our hero in conjunction with his white cop brethren. You know what I'm saying? And which lets you know that, like, you know, he where he stands and, and, and all of this, you know what I'm saying? He brings, like, you know, his 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 white cop friend and his white cop friend brings all his fucking white cop bros and shit. Into this climax and shit and all that stuff, and it's like, it's like I'm I'm wondering, like you know, the makers of this movie is like, you know, what they were actually like their their actual intention were, and like did did you actually want us to buy this guy as the hero? Because I don't buy this motherfucker as the hero at all. You know what I'm saying? Like he to me is the villain of the picture. Whereas uh, Mama Walde is the real hero, I'm saying, where like like he is blessing his brothers and sisters with his power and shit, you know what I'm saying? And like here's this guy come, like oh I think I'm better because you know I got my fucking white cop buddy with me and like you know we're 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 better and all that shit. And it's like you're a son of a bitch, sir, and I don't like you. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely think it probably played differently when it came out um, because I don't know that the uh, level of uh, distrust for and uh, disdain for um, the, the 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 people in question, the the uh, the the profession in question, um, was as much of a thing at that point. So I feel like in terms of cinema, um, people probably were willing to um buy that character as like the like the hero but i also think um there's no way to watch this movie and see like mawaldi as a straight villain which is what makes it interesting like because it's like even if you see that character the other character as the hero of the piece it's not something where you can just be like you can just easily write off that he is good and upright and pure and Mawaldi is just pure evil and darkness or whatever, because like he's very much not. So it's like I don't think that they. I think they actually. Would, it's funny because like when you think of exploitation films, like and I, I mean I don't know. I mean like, I'm not really. I mean I'm not. It's not an insult, but it's just literally it's in the name. But like they're made to be like just cheap, lowest common denominator films, and um, the fact that you had this, which has such levels and layers in terms of its like storytelling and characterization, I think is why it still exists. Like, even though, as I said, like it, it deserve, I feel like it deserves a higher profile. Um, yeah. But like, I think the reason it has stuck around in a way, a lot of um, films of the like exploitation films, of the era haven't is because of that. So like, that's why I think ultimately it does have a strong legacy it's just a matter of like it's kind of not. Although I do, I will say though, I do feel like it's it, it definitely its DNA has kind of 
seeped into because it's like we mentioned Blade, but also I remember like um like Vampires versus the Bronx on Netflix. Yeah. Um definitely has like the DNA of this in there. Like there's definitely like there's definitely a lot of movies that have taken um the right influences from Blackula. Like I think it's funny, is like I don't think there's really been like anything that did it poorly, which actually is nice because there's like a lot of exploitation films where like they've just kind of been like parodying like the worst elements of them, whereas Blackula yeah. is still kind of respected. So yeah. like I do think that also that that's worth something to me. I think that I think that that ultimately matters and makes the movie matter. Yeah, like like I was saying earlier, like you know, when people look at the black exploitation genre and like they look at it as dismissive, and it's like, no, there's some solid fucking movies in there that that should be respected as classics. I mean, obviously, you know, Shaft um, is respected, and like uh, I, I would also want to put in there Superfly. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is my favorite of the black exploitation films. Like I, I love fucking Superfly. Um, but I, I think this film deserves that respect as well because you know what I'm saying it's like you know, you know, j- just for like you know story where it's like you know our villain is like you know entirely just a respectable uh, individual. You know what I'm saying where you could look back on it and, and watch it. I mean, like, like, like you said, like, you know, the, the, the lines were definitely blurred, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know what I'm saying? This is, you know, we have one guy who's portrayed as the hero, but it's like, he's kind of going, going against like, you know, everything that, you know, his, his brethren is standing for, you know what I'm saying? In, in conjunction with the white man. And like that's why I always wanted to put Blackula in 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 you know in that in that regards where you know people look like look down upon this genre and it's like no you know there's there's solid fucking movies Blackula is one of them like yeah the title was fucking silly as fuck but it, it's just you know and I wish it was titled something else but. It's just a, a fantastic fucking movie, you know what I'm saying? With a fantastic fucking protagonist slash antagonist, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just people like, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. You know, I I I, I can't fucking, you know. I, I I love to just be like, hey, you know, you're wrong about this, but you know, it, it's just however you take it. Yeah. You know, when 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 you watch the movie, but like in my opinion, I feel like you know, that this film goes far greater than like whatever you're looking at this particular genre of films as. You know, Blackula is just one of those films where it's just like it's in massively done. You know what I'm saying? With just uh, like I mean, I'm obviously it was probably done on a lower budget, you know, yeah. than in, in most films, and like most of the black exploitation genre was. Yeah, that was the whole point. I mean, exploitation films that was the whole reason they existed. It was like they could make them with no money, and they would make money. And then that's it's funny. It's like it, that doesn't that doesn't stopped per se because I know like that was the thing is like um, 
like Blumhouse is basically how they built Blumhouse. Yeah. Basically, we like we make a movie for like a million dollars. Like let's say like Insidious, I just said it was made for a million dollars. It made a hundred million dollars. So you made ninety nine million dollars of profit. Um, and so that's thing is like so that's basically the way it worked with like exploitation films. And so it was like where basically you make them for no money, and that way like whatever they make back, like even if it's not a lot, it's still profit. So it's like that thing is like, so Blackula, when you have something to get actual like worthwhile film um, within the genre, it's actually that's why I do think it kind of sucks that like the genre in and of itself is kind of so marginalized. Because it's like, well, I mean, but to be fair, I feel like it was probably always going to be because not even just black exploitation, but like, um, I mean, to be fair, like horror and monster stuff has always been a marginalized genre, even though, yeah. like, which is funny because some of the best movies of all time, like, I don't know anyone who wouldn't call um, like Todd Browning's Dracula or like James Bale's Frankenstein or like, what, like, like whatever. I don't know anyone who wouldn't call those some of the best movies ever made. But for some reason, if you um, like make a vampire movie, like a lot, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of people who are their immediate like kind of reaction is to be kind of like mocking or like dismissive, yeah. and so it's like so technically, Blackula always like an uphill climb to begin with, um, but I think it makes that climb, and I think that like people, if they are willing to give it a shot, because it's not super easy to find at this point, but like. For those that do, I definitely think there's like a lot to get out of this. No, yeah, totally. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I, if you ask me, like, Blackula is like is one of those films where it's like, it's 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 an important film to watch. You know what I'm saying? It's an important film to take in. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like I like I said, like the title was fucking silly as hell, so people dismiss it and it's like, no, you. You're missing out on something that you know is is very important. You know, like you're missing out on a very important time in, in the history of cinema. You know, just because like you know you may look down upon it. You know, what I'm saying it's like you know that that whole genre of filmmaking is just like ah. You know, ah. I was like no, no, no. You know, what I'm saying there's like a lot of important films that you know what I'm saying you should watch in there. That you know, what I'm saying like. Obviously, people were going to look at the Shaft movies because, like, you know, Criterion released uh, the Shaft movies on, on, you know what I'm saying, on disc. And it's like, oh, a Shaft, of course, is important. It was like, no, a lot of them are important, too. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I I would recommend, of course, Shaft and Shaft's big score. And I would also recommend Blackula. I would also recommend, like, Slaughter. With uh, uh, James Brown and Three the Hard Way with uh, Jim Brown and Fred Williamson and Jim Kelly, um, uh, Black Caesar, uh, Hell Up in Harlem, uh, Hammer, Coffee. You know what I'm saying? There's there's a lot of just black musician films that you know what I'm saying that you you should watch. They're like very important to just cinem- uh, you know cinematic knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Like particularly. Films of Jim Brown, like Slaughter, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I feel like without the films of Jim Brown, who was like basically our first big buff hero, like you wouldn't get like 80s action films like Schwarzenegger films or Stallone films, you know what I'm saying? Like, because Jim Brown was like our, our first 
type of just like our burly, brolic action hero, you know what I'm saying? With with films like Slaughter, like when Michael Jai White did uh Black Dynamite, he he was definitely setting up like not just Shaft, but like uh films like uh uh Black Bell Jones with Jim Kelly and Slaughter with uh Jim Brown. And like if you like that movie, I th- I feel like it's important for you to to watch the films that inspired that, which was like you know like Black Belt Jones or Slaughter. You know what I'm saying? And this is like people just. I mean, I I feel like this is in cinema in general. You know what I'm saying? Where they just ignore certain films because they feel like they don't have to watch it. And it's like, well, if you like that film. It's best if you like take in the films that inspired it. Yeah, well, like, that was my I, thing. Is like, I, like I said, like when I used to watch, like when we all would get like into like certain genres at certain times. It was basically that was the whole thing. Is basically we would like, it's like, oh, we liked this movie. So then it's like, what? It's just like, it's the same thing with like bands, where it's like whenever I would like listen to like a new band, it'd be like, oh, I want to listen to like, it's like I love AFI. Like I wonder what AFI like were inspired by it's like the misfits like let me listen to the misfits and it was just like kind of going there from snowballing and it's kind of the same thing with like this where we would watch like let's say like coffee and it'd be like well like what else was like around that time like what else like led to that it was like so it's like yeah so like i definitely think like people do like i feel like if you're interested in any like subgenre or genre um that's i mean that's i feel like it's kind of a no-brainer. Like, like that's the I mean. Like, it's like you should always like. It's like that's why I always think it's weird when people just like kind of just watch the same shit over and over again. Because I'm just like, no, like you should be constantly just trying to like watch new things and have new experiences. Because otherwise, what the fuck is the point? Exactly. And it was, it was like just. It's like I remember. I was questioned about uh, why I watched uh, Eyes Without a Face. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well. Carpenter stated that that was one of his inspirations for making Halloween. It's like I want to take that in. I was like, I want to see what inspired, you know, this 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 yeah. master into making one of his masterpieces. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And it's like, uh, you know, like it's just like all cinema. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like, what what you know what in, in inspired everyone else? You know what I'm saying? It's like. It's like, you know, a snowball effect. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, that's why, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the whole thing with filmmaking, because every filmmaker is a film fan. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, people question why fucking Brian De Palma keeps taking from Alfred Hitchcock, because it's like, well, he was a film fan. You know what I'm saying? He was a fan of Alfred Hitchcock. So it's like, you know. He he was obviously inspired by him, you know what I'm saying? So, like, if you question why he, you know what I'm saying, like, like, oh, why is he taking him out for Hitchcock? And so, like, you know what I'm saying? Because he he was inspired to, to make movies because of this person. So, like, you know, and I'm inspired to watch these movies because he was inspired by them, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a cycle, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, why the fuck? What not? Yes. You know what I'm saying? People who basically like fucking avoid that shit, it's like I don't I don't I don't I don't want to fucking involve myself with you, bro. No, like, yeah, you know. 
like like if, if you have no interest in like if you have interest in movies but not any interest in the shit that inspired it it's like uh you know we're two different people here bro people we're two different people and and i i just i'm over here and you can stay over there and that could be that (laughs) um so anyway um this has been another episode of chainsaws and claws hope you enjoyed um if you are looking for us on social media we exist on i think now everywhere because we're on blue sky we're on not twitter but x um we're on threads oh god instagram uh basically wherever you would like to find us we are chainsaws claws in that location um if you are looking for the podcast i don't know why because you're listening to it currently but hypothetically if you are not aware um anywhere you can find podcasts i believe that we are there um Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. So we hope you've enjoyed the discussion and we will see you next time. Uh